welcome to Better Than Mario Brothers, the podcast where each episode we delve deep into cinema sewer. I am Chris Bolton. With me, as always, my partner in podcasting, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. And it's the most wonderful time of the year yet again, folks. Here we are, bringing it back around for another Christmas season on the network, kicking off this year with Better Than Mario. And just by some fortuitous happenstance, one of the films that has been on our list since we started has happened to have popped up on Amazon Prime uh, just in time for Christmas. So we are looking back at 2005's Goldberg vehicle, Santa's sleigh. Um, no, I never oh, thought I would miss Goldberg as a wrestler, but he's more fucking <laughs> convinced of doing that than he is this. You know, I, like, I'm going to put this on front street, right? I actually thought Goldberg was pretty good in this. I fucking hate him as a wrestler. Absolutely detest him. Cannot stand Goldberg. Um, I thought he did an all right job. Um, I, for, I remember for the vehicle, watching... I... Yeah. So for, the, for the vehicle, he did all right. Um, yeah, I'll, I, I'll concede that. I think so. For what he needed to do, I think he was fine. I mean, look, he's he's not the rock, is he? No. Let's be honest. Um, I don't think possibly better than Hogan, um, but we can get into that as we as we go through. Um, so yeah, I, I I vaguely and I mean very vaguely remember watching this back in two thousand and five when it came out. No, um, I, I can go one better than that. Go. I, I had memories until actually sitting down and watching it yesterday. I had memories of watching this with my brother and Petchy and Bowen and those guys mm-hmm. uh, in, in somebody's living room. I can remember the room we were in. And I remember watching it. And then you get there's a line fairly early on about brown toilet paper. Yes. And I remember we were in your house in Newport and either me and you or me and Edgar having a conversation with the other one about why brown toilet paper was a bad idea. <laughs> I don't I, remember us ever having that I remember, conversation. And I, I remember having that conversation. I can't remember if it was me and Pete t- tell, ex- trying to explain to you or me and you explaining to Pete. I know I was one of the two because it seemed like a fairly obvious joke to me. Um, but I remember I remember that conversation. And I was like, oh, fuck, did we watch it together? And this probably would have been when we were when we were editing uh, Countdown and um, and Scab. So this would have been mm-hmm. one of our sort of famous Chuck on a really shit film. Uh, efforts. I, I don't I don't remember us watching it together. I very vaguely remember watching it myself. Um, and I just have a kind of time and space recollection of watching it in my old bedroom um, at my parents' house. And why I would have been watching it there in 2005, I don't know. Um, but I, I just, for some reason, remember watching it on that setup. Now, that could just be, like, time fucking with me. Mm. I don't know. Um, well, that, that's, yeah. that's the thing I had as well. I, I, I specifically remembered watching it. It was either Petrie's house or Bowen's house. But then I remember having that conversation with, with you and Pete. I've definitely, I know I definitely watched it at least once. I remember, um, prior to watching it this time, I remember that I didn't like it at all. Mm-hmm. Probably because I, I disliked Goldberg. Um, and as soon as I started watching it, and I could remember nothing about it. Okay, going into it this time, I was pretty much cold. I could remember nothing about it whatsoever, apart from the premise. But as soon as I started watching it, for some reason, I remembered that it ended with a Zamboni. Yeah. And I remembered that I got really annoyed by the ending, um, or rather lack of. Yeah, we'll come to that. We'll, we'll come to that. Because, um, again, I, I made notes this week, and that's that's the biggest one in Big World Letters. Where's the fucking end? Where's the fucking film? Um, we, I mean, let, let, let's get into it, I suppose. Um so I've already, like, my first note was basically, as usual, just my recollection of it. And I know I've watched it before, but I, I just remember very, very little of it. I, it could be then that we all watched it together. Um, certainly if there was a conversation, and I've made a note about the brown toilet paper line, but certainly if there was a conversation about brown toilet paper, I'm willing to bet my mortgage that it was you and I on the side of explaining why brown toilet paper is bad. <laughs> 
but I could be wrong. I, like, don't, I don't. I remember. I remember a conversation. I remember being one of the two that was trying to explain it, but I can't remember if it was you or Pete. I really can't. But it was like sixteen then years again, ago. So I can be pretty fucking thick sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah. So so I remember. I remember it vaguely. Um, so as soon as it started. I mean, I should have known better. I should have realised that, you know, that this was just a pre-credit scene that, mm. that we get. Um, but fucking hell, this first minute or so. Oh, Jesus Christ, it's painful. Fucking excruciating. Uh, the performances are absolutely horrible. Yeah. The dialogue is, oh, my God. I mean, we've called out some pretty horrendous dialogue <laughs> on this show before. Yeah. But things like you half a fag. Um, yeah. I mean, no, uh, I, this is the, the opening, the opening sequence. Actually, I, I, I watched it and the, the whole, the dialogue of it. And so this, this whole, you know, very obviously Jewish family celebrating Christmas was fucking horrendous anyway. Um, and then, so the dialogue was horrendous. But as soon as Allberg comes in and kicks the dog, I'm right, in. That point on. Yeah, me too. Like I'm 100%. In. And I've written that in the notes. Like, I said I thought he was good in this, and genuinely, like as soon as he shows up and the premise kicks in, I'm like, all right, you know what? This dialogue's awful. Uh, it's it's extremely offensive. Uh, and yeah, I, I get that. that well. I get that they're trying to say like this family is a bunch of scumbags, and that's why they're all going to die. All right, but it doesn't come off as that at all. And we'll we'll analyze that a bit more as we go through because there are very specific reasons for that. There's, there are some missed opportunities here. Yeah with that that they don't take but you know the the assumption here is is definitely supposed to be that actually these are horrible people yeah. um so it's fine that he's going to kill them all yeah. you know things like yeah calling each other half a fag there's there's the mother carrying on with his son-in-law blatantly in front of yeah. the, the dad there's the thanks for not making us poor or somali um <laughs> or, or samoan sorry samoan, not somali yeah. i can't read my own writing here samoan <laughs> um it, it's all fucking horrendous but then yeah goldberg comes down the chimney just wrecks the fucking place kills and, and the deaths are great they're the, the deaths like are what you want from this type of film it's, it's again it's that zany wacky brain dead yeah just no exactly, make as much mess as you can exactly like jack frost was last year yeah. once the deaths come it was just like yeah let's just be as gory and horrible as we can let's be yeah. as creative as we can so yeah. well, the, i yeah. do find it quite quite funny that of everybody in the film the only one not credited is the very first person you see in james Khan. yeah now i i forgot he was in it entirely uh, and then, yeah, when it comes to the credits, I was like, hang on, surely he's got to be in here. So, so I scoured the credits. Looking I, did the oh, I did the same. I did the same because I looked on um, I looked on IMDb because I couldn't remember. And it was Rebecca Gayhart. I couldn't remember her name for the fucking life of me. Um, so I went looking for her and I was like, oh, hang on, where's James Khan? It yeah. was James Khan, wasn't it? Of course, yeah. it was. of course it's fucking James Khan. Oh, you don't mistake James Khan. You don't mistake him. No, no. Absolutely. And I was like, where the fuck is he? But yeah, he's, he's not anyway. He's not credited. Um, he's not this on IMDb. He's not, he's not in the credits. He's nowhere. And quite frankly, I don't fucking blame him. No, absolutely not, because you would want to distance yourself from this as far as possible. Whereas Fran Drescher hadn't worked in about 20 years at this point, so, you know. I, right, look, I am by no means a fan of Fran Drescher, okay? Um, but she's not this bad, usually. Like, no. she's stinking up the place. I quite like the early seasons of The Nanny, actually. I thought she was quite Yeah, good. that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not, I'm by no means, by no means what I say I'm a fan, but I don't think she's a bad actress at all. And she's certainly got charisma. And but I think here, the, the problem here, she's, she's, She's swinging for the fences. She knows what this is. She knows again. This is what we've talked about. Look, we we need people for a couple of hours. Yeah, you've got nothing else to do. Fucking turn up. Yeah, it's oh my god, she's she's horrendous. She's the worst thing in this scene. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that includes the dog. And that includes the dog. Yeah. Um, 
so so this opening sequence, right? Matilda Goldberg shows up is horrendous. Then he shows up and it's fine. And then yeah. like we get in the film proper and the performances are like raised a hundred percent. Like our leads are excellent. And yeah. uh, Emily Raven, of course, will would go on to to be huge. And she's clearly a star in the making. Like she's magnetic. You can't yeah. you cannot well, take at the right. At this point, she's already girl. done um, Roswell, hasn't she? Well, she's done Roswell. She hasn't. I mean, Lost hasn't really happened, though, has it? Yeah, thing. no. Th- this, this was 2005. Lost was 2004. Was it? Now, I th- now I know this sure. is at least 2005, but I was kind of looking at the timeline here, thinking she's probably like she's not a superstar by any stretch of the imagination here yet. So uh, just looking now, Lost first season, Lost was 2004. Oh, okay. So this, well, I guess so. This, this would have been filmed probably. This probably yeah. filmed before. I mean, this would have been filmed. It would have been filmed around about the same time, I would yeah, say. Probably, probably, probably after they'd, they'd, they'd uh, probably after they'd wrapped on Lost because um, Olberg did uh, Mania Twenty in two thousand four. Yeah, so he, would, so, he wouldn't have started I mean, this until fucking April anyway. No. But you know what I'm saying is at this time, like she's not by oh, any stretch. Yeah, she, yeah, she she's not she's not massive at this point. No, um, but it is very clear, like she outclasses every like oh, absolutely wattage in this. Like there's even the very opening scene. She's doing fuck all except cleaning windows. Yeah. And you cannot take your eyes. She just runs off with the whole scene because by yeah. fuck does she clean those windows? Yeah. And, <laughs> and even like you can tell that you get the bit where so you've got the old the old woman who's just cussing them out um, yeah. in the store. And as soon as she's what a delightful old lady. And it's like she knows the dialogue is shit. Yeah. But she goes, you know what? Fuck it. I don't care. This is what I've got. So I'm going to work with it. She pitches it perfectly. She is absolutely phenomenal. And that, you know, like I say, both leads are great. Yes. Okay? They are, they are yeah, both. Douglas Smith is good as well. Yeah, they are both absolutely great. But she just absolutely smashes it out of the park. Shame about the character. But as you say, she kind of <laughs> yeah. knows that. She kind of yeah. knows what she's got. And she's very clearly, like, way better than this film. Yes. Um, but it, no, but at, at, that, at that age, I mean, she'd have only been, what, early 20s at that point? Early 20s, it's yeah. It's a fucking paycheck. And, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a lead in the future at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, God, the fucking dialogue, though. As you said, like, she she knows what she's doing, but... Yeah, um, the the oh. dialogue is horrendous. Um, I did think there were some nice touches in that in that scene, though. Um, so where the, you get the... Um, yeah, you get the owner comes out, which I think Saul Rubinek, isn't it? Plays yeah. the owner. Um, and he deals with the old lady. Um, and then so she leaves. And you, know, you, you get, like, the, the Christmas gifts. And yes, they're shit. But they're, yeah. they're thoughtful, they're personal. Yeah, they are. And, and, and you, so there's some nice, some nice character beats in there where you, you pick that up, and then you know she, you know she offers him a lift home, and you don't really get the impression they're a couple. No, which is really difficult because obviously later on that's that, that sort of blindsides you a bit. Um, but yeah, you get you, know, you get a decent sense of these characters and, and, and you know kind of where they are, and then you, obviously you yeah. follow him because um, Nick is Nicholas is our lead, so you kind of follow him, and you get the crazy grandpa stories in the bunker and all that sort of shit. And yeah, it, it flows quite nicely at this point. You, you're thinking, right? Okay, there's some work on into this. There's some. There's there's going to be. No, oh, it's Chekhov's bunker at the end of it. They're building all this stuff. The fact they're putting all the locks in, you know, they're putting all these locks in. A is going to not do fuck all anyway. Oh, it's going to do fuck all when you're being invaded because the Goldberg's going to kick the door down. But also, if you're running away from somebody, having 16 locks and keys hidden everywhere, it's going to add to the drama because it's going to take you an hour to get in. All this stuff yeah. is really seeded well, and it comes off later on. I, at this point, I was thinking, you know what? I, I I remember this film being shit, and at this point, I'm thinking, have I been a little unfair? I'm I'm thinking exactly the same as this point as well, because even though I'm criticising the dialogue, like I know damn well what I'm letting myself in for, so yeah. I'll go with it. And you know, 
for all I'll criticise David <coughs> as well, old ladies swearing is never not funny. No, um, absolutely. Especially when we get it again later on. If there's one thing funnier than an old lady swearing, it's a sweet old lady swearing. And when we yeah. get that later on, it fucking floored me. Um, so, yeah, the old lady at the start is great. If Again, entirely distasteful, but it feels like that's supposed to be there because, again, then she gets offed. So, yeah, again, it's a horrible person that gets offed. And then, yeah, we, we get to the bunker. We get um we get the thing with with grandfather and then yeah this is the point where the dialogue really starts to stick in my more it's like all of the earlier stuff at least is snappy yeah. but when we get the lines about you know file that next to brown colored toilet paper on the list of bad ideas it's like yeah. they they are chewing this dialogue now they're tripping up because it's it's too wordy for well, what yeah. this is that that the syntax of that line is entirely wrong yeah, that's you right. Know? And there's a lot of that goes as you go through the film as well. And there, there are a lot, there are lots of elements where they, where you think, well, is the writer trying to, is he trying to write, is he trying to write an episode of Buffy here, or yes. an episode of Dawson Creek where he's got teenagers talking absolutely fucking bollocks? It's really got that. It feels like it wants to be Whedon-esque. You're right. Yeah. I've actually written that later on. It's got, but it, but it has none of that spark and charm and none of that. Yeah. Kind of, you the, know, the dialogue is very heavy handed um, yeah. in that respect. There's, there's a lot of it, but it doesn't say anything. Whereas you look, no, you look at, uh, no, you, you, you read into Kevin Williamson's, um, the dialogue. Yes, there's a lot of words to it, but it pops. And, you know, when, when somebody says something, it fucking means something. And, and that's the thing, you know, we've, we've defended that to, to friends of ours before now, uh, some of whom we've, we've mentioned already, that we might have even watched this with. We, we've defended that style of writing, which some people really, disagree with that and, and dislike and that that's fine you know everybody gets their opinion but when it's done well i i find it magnetic you know it, it draw that kind of dialogue just draws me in when it's done well but that relies on a kind of brevity it is, is the thing like yes it's wordy but as you say every word means something there's and, and so it pops along and it never feels like you're reaching for a gag whereas this does and when you're yeah. reaching for a gag and you have just this this jumble of words that the directors are spilling over hmm. it doesn't work whereas you, yeah you, you don't get that as you say with the kevin williamson or joss whedon because no word is wasted you know yeah. and it, it almost becomes poetry at that point you know they, they they're thinking about the syntax as they're writing they're thinking about the lilt of the words and especially you know when, when you know a show as as well as for instance i, I know buffy um there are there are ways that those characters speak that yeah. when for instance you then read that dialogue elsewhere you know, and you reasonably trying to do Joss Whedon dialogue, like yeah. you can hear it in Sarah Michelle Gellar's voice, or you can hear it in Charisma Carpenter, Charisma Carpenter especially. Yeah. Um, you can you can hear that delivery and that syntax and that tone, and you go, oh, okay, that's what they're doing. It's just being delivered by somebody else. Yeah. But okay, they kind of get it as well, and they dial into it, and that doesn't happen here, and and yeah. so it does fall flat. And, and one thing I did find actually with the dialogue, and I mean, we'll sort of jump around a little bit because the, the film is kind of frenetic anyway. But what I found with the dialogue is that. I, to start with, yeah, it was. Very, they did a lot of this. There was a lot. There was, it was really wordy. It was. They were trying to be. They were trying to avoid any exposition, but they really. And then they sort of got to the point where they were like, "Oh fuck it, we just throw it in now and get it out of the way." Probably about twenty minutes in, and after that, the tone changed entirely, and it went from that to being a pun machine. And this, this is the biggest problem I have with the film. Actually, you mentioned the end, and the end is a huge, huge issue. But the reason the end is an issue is because actually, the start is an issue um, because. We're being set up for one thing. You're right. Yeah. We're actually at, at this point. We're being set up for, okay, Santa's killing all the bad people. Instead yes. of bringing them coal, he's killing them. And that's that's an entirely different film in which Santa is the hero. And for a large chunk of this film, it does feel like Santa is supposed to be the hero. Yeah. 
And it, but it's not until we then get the backstory of the bet with the angel and stuff that it kind of flips that narrative on its head. And I've actually, my next note um, is about, you know, I've got a great deal of respect for how much work has gone into their world here and into that backstory. Like they, yeah. they, they understand how this works. They understand how Santa has come to be this evil killing machine and that actually he's, you know, he's a child of Satan and there's been a bet with the angel and like all of that work's gone in there. The yeah. trouble is we get it about 15 to 20 minutes into a 70 minute film. Yeah. That should be pre-credits. Like yeah, we should. need that right up front. And, and so the thing is, they even allude on. to it because if you, um, I don't know how much attention you pay to the credits, but actually, when you've got when the letter the lettering is first coming in, it spells out Satan slate. Satan slate, yeah. And then it changes. And the credits are actually the pages from the book. Yeah. But it's relying on the audience to read that and understand it, and it's not communicated well enough. Now, yeah. there is a obviously we're going to compare this to Jack Frost, all right? It's another seasonal yeah. horror movie. We watched it last year. We both loved it. All right, so. It feels it feels fair to compare the two. Yeah. And, you know, that is exactly and we praise Jack Frost for it as well. That is exactly what they did. Yeah. Front and center before the credits, you get that bit in front of the Christmas tree where they read it out to you like this is how he came to be. This is Jack Frost. This is what you're about to watch. Now, they made the mistake of repeating that when the film started, but I'd rather have it twice than not but, at all. Yeah. And here, because it comes halfway through and we've already seen all the killings and stuff. I'm like, I, I'm confused. Uh, is, yeah. is Santa the good guy or is Santa the bad guy? And they then compound that by, you know, because it hasn't been front loaded. And look, by the time we see the Nutcracker and we get the book, like if you if you aren't all the way in front of this grandpa thing already, then there's no hope for you because they couldn't telegraph this anymore. No, absolutely. All right. It's very clear that he's the angel. Um, but by the time we get that, then we're in front of it going, OK, so he's going to come after the angel. And then that's why Nicholas is our lead, because he's yeah. the next in that bloodline. Yeah. And there's all of this stuff that makes sense that they do nothing with, because yeah. it just appears that Santa is randomly killing people and just happens to come across Nicholas well, this and decide it, uh, to pursue him. Yeah. And I mean, the whole thing, the, no, the whole thing of I say it would make more sense if yeah, Santa's going after naughty people. He's, you know, he's got his naughty list and he's rather than not giving them presents, he's going on and offering them. Yeah. That's fine. And if you want to make him a devil, a demon or a devil or whatever else, that's fine, because that that will then fit in with, OK, well, you know, he's doing his job anyway. You know, he knows what his job is. He's got his naughty list. So instead of giving presents to good, good girls and boys, he goes off and offers the naughty ones. Fine. I can live with that. But the problem is, is that, that, as you said, that's not explained. That You never get to that point or you get to the point far too late where we find out actually he's just a fucking psycho. Um, yeah. But the whole thing with bloodline isn't explained. So, you know, yeah, it's it's quite clear very early on you know the that the the grandfather is far more importantly let's on and we find that it's the angel well done okay but you get a throwaway line about the only angel to ever give up his immortality for for a mortal yes okay where does that go yeah what is the point in that other than he's got a kid he's he's had a kid and doesn't have now has a grandchild that's the thing there's now a bloodline with this angel there's there's all there's all of this stuff that they've thought about and put in there right and like the writer uh, directed it as well, as far as I know. Yes, he did. Yeah. Um, so I have absolutely no doubt that he knows all of this. And either, either <coughs> because they wanted a 70 minute horror film, they didn't have the money. Yeah, there's, there's something about it. But this is clearly meant to be in there because he's yeah. thought about it. And it's and it's here. It's just not communicated to us and it's missing. And it's a shame because actually I feel like there is there is something that's actually really enjoyable in this. Hmm. It's just that it's it's neither one nor the other. Like I I'm here all day for Santa is actually killing all the bad people. Yeah. I'm here all day for that. 
And I'm also here all day for, well, you know, actually, no, he made a bet with an angel and he lost. And so now he's he's an unstoppable killer machine. He's a fucking Terminator from hell, essentially, that comes out every year on Christmas. And he's tracking down the, this ancient bloodline. It's like the purge, isn't it? You get a date. Yes. Yeah. And, and he's tracking down this ancient bloodline. And, he, you know, maybe you can write something in that if he manages to kill, you know, rather than it being a thousand years, if he manages to kill the sacred offspring of the angel, then it frees him from the curse or whatever it yeah. is. Like, but he needs... He's a fucking reason because it just feels like halfway through the film, he randomly stumbles across Nicholas. Yeah. And then, because also, Nicholas is the only person he ever really pursues. Everybody else that he kills, he just randomly happens upon yes. and kills them. But once he meets Nicholas, without any explanation, Nicholas doesn't explain who he is. He doesn't yeah. know that he's, he's the angel's grandkid or anything like that. But he just starts pursuing him inexplicably for yeah. no reason. And and it's it's such an easy fix. Like it's obviously in the story. I don't understand why it isn't communicated to us. Yeah. It's it's very very strange. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, so we get to get back on on track here. We get the whole backstory at this point. After he's been down in the bunker, like Grandpa talks some fucking crazy Doc Brown shit for a while. We get yeah. we get to see Chekhov's Nutcracker. Um, which again, like very clearly, as soon as he picks it up and he's like, oh, that's not a normal nutcracker. He's like, yeah, okay, we get it. That's yeah. going to be a weapon at the end. Fine. We understand. Um, and then we get, we get the backstory of the book, but already it, by the time it's happening, I'm like, we don't get the whole backstory here. We just get a little snippet of it. Yeah. I'm like, but he's just randomly killing people. And how does this affect Nicholas? Because at this point, Nicholas thinks this is all rubbish. Right. Yeah, and, and so there's, there's, you've got the two bits running in parallel because you've got, you know, he he introduces the book and then, um, oh fuck, Emily Draven's character turns up. Was her name Mac? Honestly, Mac. Mac. How, um, how so can yeah, you forget that. I don't know. It's not like it's any anywhere near my name or anything. Um, well, it's not. It's not like it's a name you hear on the reg either, is it? On, like anyway, Mac yeah, shows yeah. up. Yeah, Mac yeah. shows up. So you get this bit where you know all you know, all of a sudden they're, they're you no know, they you've had this bit with the book. And now it's, they're all happy families and no, they're, they're just watching a fucking Christmas movie or whatever. So I can't remember what they're watching. So you get that. And then at the same time as that's going on, you've got um, Santa is in the strip club. Yeah. Um, causing all hell. And we'll come back to that in a minute because I actually quite like that scene. I thought the execution of that was very good. I, I thought it was an excellent scene. Yeah. It's excellent. Um, but you get that. And then you, so you get on to this, um, you get on to this bit with um, Mac and uh, Nicholas. And as soon as the grandfather disappears, they start arguing and bickering. Yeah, no, it's and weird. That, that comes out yeah. of nowhere because yeah. you get this whole thing. We've already established the entire town thinks the grandfather's nucking fights, right? Yeah. So sh why would she be any different? Yes, okay, she knows him and others don't, but he's still eccentric as, as all hell. Yeah. And even if he's just that funny old man that you know, yeah. that's fine. You can have that opinion. But rather than going, yeah, everybody thinks he's crazy, but he's not. He's my grandfather, whatever else. Instead of that, and you no, know, having just said no, just said himself before she showed up, you know, the whole town thinks you're crazy, right? But instead of that, and so instead sort of can't, and trying to try to persuade her otherwise, or and she hasn't even said anything at this point. Don't no. forget, he just flies off and probably. Uh, and if I were looking for subtext, I'd say that he, you know, he's he's feeling guilty for thinking it himself. But I don't think this film is subtle enough in the way in what in what we get to actually do no. do any sort of subtext. Whether it's whether it's written in, I don't know. I, I do. I, I agree. I think there's more written than was actually put on screen. Um, but yeah, he just flies off the handle and starts going on about fucking gun control. Well, it's. They sort of seed it earlier on um, because, it, you know, incidentally, this I've got to give him credit for this. There's a point where she comes around and she gifts him supposedly a gun. A gun this yes. is like, this is right back at the start of the scene. She gifts him a gun. And I'm right in notes here going, what a fucking ridiculous present. And then yes. he instantly opens it and goes, 
I don't mean to sound ungrateful, but what are you, fucking retarded? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, like, fair play. Like, you, you played me completely. And yes. great delivery of that line as well. Like, yeah. that, that's a point where, again, he understands the assignment there and delivers that line perfectly, yeah. all right? And it's concise enough yeah. to get it over. And then, and, of course, it turns out it's a Transformer and she's yeah. done something really sweet for him. Yeah, because he's again, always wanted that, that, this Transformer. Yeah, that fed back to it. We've talked about Optimus Prime or something else. Yep. And yeah, yep, so, yep, all, yep. so all of that. And this is what frustrates me with this film is that, by and large, this film plays as an overly long episode of South Park. Yes, it does. Yeah, it um, does. it's that. It's that politically it, incorrect. It's that. Yeah, and it, it's that sort of you know that satirizing of popular characters and stuff like that. You know, the whole Jesus and pals of it all. Um, and it gets that tone. And when when they get it right, and you get these exchanges between people, it really works. And it, you know, that really does come across, come along. But then all of a sudden, you get him blowing up at her for no reason. Well, again, it's because I, I think you know earlier on. And we touch on it. it feels very much like they're kind of will they won't they friends slash work acquaintances when they're both in the sandwich bar right it feels like there's this yeah. chemistry between them and there's a spark there but they're not a thing they're people who work together and probably hang out a bit after work and then when we first see her come over it's sort of like oh well she's sweet on him like it's, yeah. like, it's not that they're boyfriend and girlfriend it's that she's sweet on him so she's coming over with a christmas present after work because she's sweet on him and maybe he's just yeah. a bit oblivious to it all you know and especially yeah. then and they still play that then with i don't mean to sound ungrateful yeah uh, but are you fucking retarded and it's like oh he's knocking her back and like that all feels bit, and then and then you say next time we see him they're kind of snuggled up together and then uh, and again that, that's about fine. dad yeah yeah but it, it just came out of nowhere but then yeah. we've seen the thing about her dad being a gun that which he clearly disagrees with that's yeah. fine we've seen the thing about grandpa being nuts all right yeah. all fine but yeah the argument just like it's, I've, I've actually written about it here, as you said, I, I've just got literally in big capital letters, like, what the fuck? Why has Nicholas gone off on one about Max? That is completely uncalled for. Even if he does think that it yeah. comes out. No, nobody does that in conversation unless they're complete arseholes. Yeah. But more than that, when they are or aren't together at this point, and it turns out they are, whether they are or aren't, like, I'm sorry, but no 20 year old dude going to cock block himself like that. No, that exactly. Is, Completely that is, that is unrealistic. Ridiculous. Like, but he I mean, literally cock blocks himself. Yeah, he like, does. And then it, they compound it by uh, the argument carrying. She's, oh, I'm going to leave. She's clearly, no, she doesn't want anything to do with them. That's fine. But then as she's leaving, she makes a comment about, no, um, wanting a mature relationship or something. So, so they are in a relationship. Yes. But they don't play, it doesn't play like that. No, it's very Although confused. Then, then it does lead into one of my favourite gags of the film, where she goes to storm off and she's got to do all the locks first, which I thought yes. was fucking hilarious. Yeah. I, look, I, I, I genuinely think the two of them together are great. They've got great chemistry. Yeah. I think they're both very talented. And I think actually, you know, the, the traditional arc of this film would be for them to be kind of, you know, almost there, almost there. and then by the end, they're going to get together because they've been through a traumatic experience together yeah. and he's going to have to realise that actually he does love her or whatever because yeah. she's 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 in the position of, it, of it's very much seems like it's her suite on him yeah. than, than the other way around. Um, very traditional, but okay, fine if that's what it's going to be. Um, and then I don't know, it just feels like they shit the bed halfway through and went, uh, I don't, can we just make them in a relationship already because this is all a little bit kind of white male power fantasy kind of thing here with yeah. the, the pretty little girl throwing herself at him. And it's like, look, if it works, it w as long as you can justify it and it's going to work for your narrative and it works for those characters, then you can tell that traditional story and it would have worked a lot better and all the characters would have come off a lot stronger than actually do here because we don't understand what's going on here. And it's it's a yeah. shame. Um, you know, 
Similarly, if they'd have just made it clear from day one, they actually know they are in a relationship, but it's kind of on the skids because they're not seeing eye to eye and maybe they'd be yeah. together a little. Again, that would have worked. And but I, think it's kind of... I mean, there's so many so many tropes you can do with some late high school kids at this point. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's, that's kind of what they are. I mean, that's, you know, their, default, no, their default when they're in trouble is going to hide in the school. So clearly yeah. that's, no, that's, you know, that's their, the safest place in America, obviously. Nothing bad happens in schools in America. Of course, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you, there are so many things and there are so many ways where you could have them in a relationship and, and put blockers in, put shadows over them. One of them might be going off to college. Um, you know, they, they may be, you know, there's peer pressure, there's you know, the fact that they're, you know, they're in different groups or they're in different schools even. You know, there, are ways you can, there are ways that try and test it to get around this where it's, e it's easy enough to do the work for the relationship. You make the relationship doomed to start and actually they grow together through the events because they, you know, they're sort of the shared experience kind of makes, you know, makes the affection grow. That's yeah. all fine. That's been done a million times. And yes, okay, it's, it's trophies all hell. It's been done to fuck. But nobody's going to judge you for that. And especially not in a film about a murderous Santa Claus. Well, yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> there are bigger issues. Yeah, nobody's looking for a fucking examination of like early 2000s American teen culture here. Yeah. Like we're looking for a high body count, probably a bit of nudity and lots of swearing. So yeah. if you can accomplish all of that, swearing in it, is there? there's hardly any swearing. And very disappointing. I don't think there's any nudity. There, there's so, boobs. In the, in the is there boobs? Oh, yes, there is. There's a, there's a fucking strip club. Of course, there's you. <laughs> um, but, you know, that, that look, we know what it is. All right. Yeah. We, we, and, and it feels like actually this film doesn't quite know what it is. It feels like all the bits are there. Yeah. But it's a little, I don't know. It just feels jumbled. So um, to me, it feels like they, they, they've tried to brick up a wall and they've gone, oh, we've got all these bricks, but we haven't got yeah. any water. Yeah. Just chuck them on top of each other and it'll be fine. It's not yeah. all going to topple over either. Yeah. You know, this should be so easy, really, shouldn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. This film should be easy, right? And and for all we, you know, we, we take the piss out of bad films, uh, you know, in, in quotation marks on this show. Like, we literally raved about Jack Frost for two hours last year, about how much we loved it. And that's the same thing. It's ridiculous, but it knows exactly what it is. And we loved it because of it. Because yeah. we know what we're getting. There's a reason, and we still can't find it, but there's a reason we want to do trees. This podcast yeah. probably wouldn't exist without trees. Yes. And it's the same thing. That knows so exactly what it is. Yeah. And just you for know? people listening who don't know what trees is, it's a film that we watched around about the same time as this one about killer Christmas trees. It's it's literally Jaws remade with a Christmas tree. Yeah. And every time somebody says the word great white or shark, they replace it with fur or Christmas tree. Yeah. Uh, it's fucking brilliant. Yes. Um, because it knows exactly what it is, yeah, and that's fine. And and this and that's the like thing with this type it. of film. Actually, there's there so many of the, of this type of film. And you look on Prime, you look on Netflix, and yes, okay, you do have your traditional Christmas movies, and there are some cheesy as fuck Christmas movies on there, which unfortunately get played on the TV downstairs quite a lot because you know, myself likes normal films. Um, but yeah, for every one of those, there's one of these. There's a Santa sleigh. There's a trees. There's a killer Christmas lights from space. Yeah, whatever you want, it's there. Your the niche is there. Yeah, for Christmas horror films, and no, and where no, and where you look at sort of the top end of the spectrum, where you've got Gremlins, mm. and then you come down to stuff like this and Jack Frost and all the you know, the various other ones. I mean, I'm I'm expecting there'll be an equivalent of Killer Sofa in there somewhere, you know, which is you know, yeah. which is genius on its own level. But you know, the, these things are there. So you know, it's not as if this is a this is a new thing they're doing. And there's enough. There's enough has gone before. They could say, right, okay, these are the, these are the beats we need to hit. And I'm not a huge fan of writing by numbers. 
Um, I mean, you know, you've, you've read a lot of my work and we've, we've worked together on a lot of stuff. So I'm, I'm not a big fan of saying, right, well, by, by this by this minute or by this scene, you need to have done this. By that point, you need to have done this. The story needs to flow where the story needs to flow. But these, if you need them, these things are there. These formula are there. These, no, these, these templates are there. Yeah. And if you're going to make this type of film and you're thinking, right, okay, have I hit all, have I hit all the marks I need to hit? Whether it's at 12 minutes or 20 minutes or 40 minutes, wherever it might be, have I hit the points I need to hit? Yeah. And you I mean, can't really go far wrong with a film like this. No, you, you really can't. Apparently. I, I, I do tend to, to follow traditional structure, perhaps a little bit more closely than you do, but uh, not so much in terms of, you know, by by the 10 minute mark, this has to happen. By the, like you say, you, yeah. you kind of feel your way through it. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. You, you, be, know but what, there are... you know what needs to be there, but it's, it's, uh, there's there's some very rigid um, structures with it, but, but you know, by 12 minutes, you have to do this, by 24 yeah, no, minutes. No, 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 because that's all going to depend on how long your story is and, and the length of the film and stuff like that. But there are, depending, regardless of the length of the story, there are narrative beats that you're going to have to hit and yes. you are going to need to set those out in act one. And that's the problem here is that they, it, they don't know what they want because they don't know if these guys are in a relationship or not right so we've yeah. got no through line with them they don't know if santa's a good guy or a bad guy so we've got no through line with him like i and don't I, think, I mean to be honest i would i'd even forgive it if the, if you were on the if you were going to saying right there's, there's ambiguity as to what santa is is he a good guy or not is he punishing people who are naughty or is he just killing every fucking thing that moves you can have that ambiguity but play on it yes why, exactly. no, why is he doing that why, no, why is he going after the priest? Okay, because the priest is a dirty old fucker who spends his time in scripture. But you can you can work on that. that but as, the, it, as it is, they, they've not done the legwork. They've not put the, the foundations in to then follow that through. That is the biggest problem with, with the whole film for me, and it's where it falls down at the end as well, is, uh, and I've written it in a couple of notes time, um, so I'll, I'll just skip forward to the note and we can come back. Um, I, I just wouldn't look. I, I even after we get the the amazing stop motion bit, which we'll talk yes, about as well. I, I love that. I still don't know what this is really about. Santa is just killing people randomly. I don't know what he wants or why he's doing it. I know there was this bet, but and it was going to last a thousand years. But there's no explanation as to like he, he's got this pent up aggression, so he needs to bust a nut basically. And if that's what it is then fine. But again, that's a completely different type of film. That is him literally going on a murderous rampage and holding the town hostage is what you yes. want there. Then you want, you want absolute you mass want hysteria. That point. Yeah. You want mass hysteria in this town and the police force needs to get involved in everything. Not like the one crazy guy trying to warn everybody. Yeah. And, it, and it's oh, not, and, and it's, didn't, didn't we watch this last year with Jack Frost where they did that to a fucking team? Yes. And it worked extremely well. Um, and, and that's the thing. We knew what Jack Frost wanted. Like, yeah. he was a serial killer. He just wanted to kill everybody. Yeah. And, it, like, where that started but, falling down was when we looked at the sequel and all of a sudden he had a personal vendetta and that wasn't really working. Yeah. Um, but when it was just Jack Frost is a serial killer and he just wants to fucking kill people and the whole town's got to protect themselves, that worked incredibly well. See also Gremlins, which yeah. we mentioned. The point of Gremlins is they're just fucking sadists. Yeah, like, they're, they're, they're agents of chaos. Yeah, and that's that's fine. That's a valid narrative. If that's the reason, yeah. it's just like no, they're they're fucking sociopaths, basically. Like, fine, okay, fine. We we know we know how our good guys react to that. We know what they've got to do. They've just got to protect themselves. And you've yeah. got the ticking clock element of it as well. Of like, oh well, it's only one day a year, so we just have to get through Christmas. Yeah, it would make more sense if it was Christmas Eve. Yeah, I did think that actually. <laughs> I, I went when when, <laughs> when it flashed because it starts on Christmas Eve. Yeah, and then. And then you flash into Christmas Day and then shit starts happening. 
Yeah. Sure, no, surely he, at, no, at this point, it's it's got to be from the point he leaves the North Pole. So that's how you would get back. So it's that. No, if when when you're in East Coast America, you're talking like fucking no six o'clock, no six seven o'clock Christmas Christmas Eve evening, and yeah. because of that, that's when it starts in the fucking Samoa or whatnot. And again, that explains you. you know, that's a throwback to Samoa joke earlier on, which doesn't fucking land. That's fine. And then you have this finite period, and then they kind of they go with this assumption that actually, yeah, because the North Pole is on the same um, type of the same meridian line as as, as Greenwich. Therefore, that no, when it's midnight in London, it's midnight at the North Pole. Not thinking, hang on, it's a fucking globe, so all the points kind of meet at the same place. Yeah. We'll ignore that. We'll just hand wave that. That's fine. When you, when you've got fucking Goldberg explaining that to you, that actually they all go to the same place, and it could be any fucking time I like. Yeah, you, you know we're in trouble. But it's like, okay. They've made they've made these assumptions, and that's fine. But they don't come from anywhere. They're not based in anything. No, and there are no. too many things like that which are just left to oh, you know what. People won't care. There's blood and there's boobs. Yeah, I, and there are, but there's. I don't think there's enough blood and boobs to counteract that. Yeah. And I think there's enough thought gone into most of the world. Yeah. To actually highlight the gaps in it like that, you know, like like say to get back to to get back on track, like this is all this bit with them and their relationship is going on at the same time we've got the bloodbath in the strip club. Yes. Which is an excellent gore fest scene. Yes. You know, it is. And, and all of the, again, all the deaths are really creative. I particularly like the one with the stripper pole. Yes. I thought that, that was, was excellent. And, and again, you get the nice, the nice gag where he goes to grab it. It's all greasy. And he's off. Oh, he yeah, that pulls was out, fucking out hilarious. And fucking wipes it down. The, That's brilliant. Abso- and you know, and, topical now as well. You know, oh, yeah. absolutely and, hilarious. And this, this is the thing, and that you look at there. Are, there are so many little points like that throughout this film, and you yeah. go, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. That's genius. I, and and. To be fair to him as well, as much as I hate Goldberg the wrestler, like the choreography and these fights are fucking dope. Yeah, like as these as fights the, are the, awesome. The choreography is brilliant, and especially when you get um, you get it later on with the menorah in the in the um, the deli, which yes. we'll come on to shortly. Again, that works really well. And his the problem I have with Goldberg is when he speaks. I agree, but he doesn't yeah. speak much. Yeah, and I think that I think the reason for that is because the. Whether they scripted it or not, I think they realised early on that the more it's the same problem you have with Hogan. The more dialogue you have, the worse it gets. Yeah, but for spitting out the occasional one-liner, he's actually yeah. very good. Yeah, like, and like when he snarls at people and stuff like yeah, that, you know, that very, all very works good. really well. He's got real presence. I'll say that for him, which is not something I could ever say about him in wrestling. No. But he's got real fucking presence in this film. Um, uh, yeah, so love all that, love all the bit of the strip club, and then yeah, we're back at the back at the house again and we get the proper exposition like we get like not just a little bit from the book now now we get the full-on exposition yeah and just like jack frost did last year it hooks me in instantly because we go to ranking and bass stop motion it's style animation awesome i love which it. every christmas film should have yes. and it's fucking great it's the best like two and a bit minutes or whatever it lasts of this entire film yeah. um and at this point if you didn't realize it already grandpa is clearly the angel because yeah. they've clearly modeled them on yes. Goldberg and Grandpa. So you can clearly see what's going on. And again, like, you know, the thought of the world, I kind of love the absurdity of this whole thing happening based on a fucking game of curling, yeah. which is which is just the most ridiculous old-timey old-man fucking winter sport it's that not you even possibly a have. Do, do you know what I mean? It's, it's just, it could be on hockey. They yeah. could have been, I don't know, fucking archery. It could have been could could fucking boost at that point, yeah. Yeah, push, no, curling. Why not? Let, like they made a bet on curling. I love it. I love again. Love the absurdity of it. And somebody's thought about that. Yeah. And it makes sense. But what they didn't really do was think 
and they, and they gave us the stakes, you know, like, oh, if I win, then you can't kill anybody for a thousand years and you have to yeah. bring joy to the children of Earth and stuff like that. That's all good. They didn't think about what the get out clause would be to give motivation to Goldberg's character. Because that, that's the problem. Like, even a bad guy needs motivation, yeah. right? Because every villain is the hero of their own story. And, and the problem is he, he hasn't got that motive. He's just fucking killing people. That's all it is. He's just fucking... Even, you know, you look at the people like Michael Myers, right? Yeah. You look at that and, you know, people talk about him as being the shape, but he shouldn't have had the backstory that he got later on and stuff like that. But actually the backstory was always there. Yeah. Right? Mike was always a fucked up individual because of his upbringing. So we understand at least why he's a serial killer. And we understand, especially by the time we get to Halloween 2, why he's going after Laurie Strode. So yeah. that makes sense. And there's a reason for him to do it. You know, same with Jason Moore. He's same with Freddy Krueger. Like, you know, yes, you don't want to flesh them out too much, but you have to flesh them out enough for us to understand what it is that they want, what they are gaining from this and why they are doing it. Yeah. Because otherwise, there's no story. There's nothing because there's no conflict, because there's no emotional investment. And unfortunately, that's what happens here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is where I write the note then. But like, as much as I enjoyed the whole stop motion thing, yeah. like I I don't know what it's about i mean okay cool santa can kill again after a thousand years but yeah how does that affect nicholas <coughs> other than he's yeah. in the town like yeah. he's got the same odds as anyone else in the town of being killed by santa at this point so why yeah. is this nicholas's problem and nicholas's story yeah because it needs to be you know and just because yeah. he's got the information like i mean that's the other thing once he gets all this information he gets on board with it very fucking quickly well, yeah, because I mean, the night right. before, when when Grandpa was telling him, he's like, "Yeah, whatever, dude. Go, yeah. go back and you know, go back and have another fucking Advil or whatever it is, and just go to sleep." And now he's read it himself. He's like, "Oh, okay, right. So I read it in a book, so it must be true." But okay. he didn't read it on the internet, so you know, that's that's all right. So then he takes it upon himself to go and like spread the word and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. "Well, I don't know though. Would you? Because you didn't believe it yesterday." Well, that's the, the thing is that everybody thinks your grandfather is fucking nuts for for exposing the same points. Yeah, I, I feel like he'd at least have had to have had a run-in with fucking Santa first. Yeah. In order before he makes that jump. Now he will come to have a run-in with Santa very shortly. But yeah. then even with that run-in, like he could like he could be anybody. This isn't necessarily yeah. the demon Santa. It's just like he happens to have read this story, then seen a dude dressed as Santa who's killed a bunch of people. It doesn't mean it's the same fucking one. Yeah. He can't draw that link. Let's be fair, you know? if you want to go on a murder rampage, that's the time to do it, because you can put on a fucking Santa suit and you could be anybody. I'm willing to bet, and this is a sad state of affairs, okay? I'm willing to bet something akin to this, not to this level, but I'm willing to bet at least one person is killed every year at Christmas by somebody dressed as Santa Claus. Oh, fuck yeah. At least one. Yeah. Right, because unfortunately people are fucked up. All right? So I, I feel like there needed to be more there as well. Um, you know, and I, I, this is the point as well. Though, that, that they lift some sections straight from Nightmare Before Christmas here, but yeah. the 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 perfect family Christmas with the two kids, and the old lady swearing, like yeah. like I said, little sweet old lady swearing is never not funny. Well, I, I, the thing is, there's two parts to that. You've got these fucking ass clown kids. Yeah. Who you know are going to get killed, but you don't care because they're assholes. Yeah. So when the presents blow up and they get decapitated, you don't care. It, there's no shock value to it. You know they're going to die because why else are they in the film? The point of that is to get little old grandma saying, fuck. And it works. It's fine. And it works so Loved fucking it. well. Um, but that, that whole scene, that was just like, okay, well, that's dumb. Again, it's, fill, it's kind of filler because Santa's not involved in that. It is filler. And it's also a case of those are, those are bad people dying again. So we're back yeah. onto that narrative. Well, um, that's the thing, and, and there's this 
there's this whole bias thing as well because you go into and again if you want to read into it which i'm choosing to because i want to give the film more credit than it probably deserves when you're in the strip club he kills the patrons he kills the people who are there to eyeball the women and to, to grope the women he doesn't, doesn't kill, kill the, the women no. he sets doesn't the kill club the on fucking fire but he sets the club on fire but and if they die they die but he doesn't target them he goes after all the men, the men who are exploiting them for you know, for their own gratification or the people who are exploiting them for, for, for the money they bring in. Yes. Don't yeah, go yeah. after the women. So whether that's intentional or not, I don't know. I, I'd like to think it is. Again, I, I feel like there's a whole nother film there hmm. that's just not being explored. It's like, yeah. we're, we're now approaching the point where the, the, the switch flips on that because the, the next person he kills is the deli owner. Well, and... that's it, you, you, get the, you get the scene where he sort of barges into the city Jews. Yeah, and there's a very fucking anti-Jewish um, sentiment to this very, film. Very, very. There's a huge so. anti-Semitic um, element yeah. to it, and I, I again, I wonder whether. I mean, you look at um, and people have opinions on Woody Allen. I'm not going to go into mine, but uh, Woody Allen has this very self-deprecating uh, Jew aspect to his work, and I'm one. I, I don't know whether that's a, that's a play here, or whether this guy is just a real fucking anti-Semite. Um, I don't know, but there just seems to be like the fact that. Again, they didn't have to be Hasidic Jews no. walking down the street that he barges into and growls at and they run away. By the same token, when when the police are called to the deli um, and they come in, there's the comment is that, uh, the comment from the, 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 the one arsehole cop, which I'll go into in a second from a logic point of view, he tells his, his partner, go and talk to those, um, uh, what are they called, fucking um, Pennsylvania Dutch, what the fuck are they called? What? The Amish. Yeah, oh. he refers to them as Amish rather than I wasn't Jewish. sure what word you were looking for then. I didn't know I, if we were trying to be politically correct. No, no, no. no. I, I was trying to remember what. The, yeah, he's, he, right, he okay. refers to them as Amish rather than yeah. as a Jew. Because, and it's like again, it's just this, you know, this whole thing of fucking disrespect that you know, they they don't. Same as when they get when the Jewish family get annihilated at the beginning, he goes to the deli and uses the menorah to kill the fucking deli owner. It's yes. just another. It's just another layer of again. This and this is what brought me back to the South Park comparisons. Is it a knowing thing where they, they're lampooning this, no, this fucking attitude? Or is this guy just Mel Gibson in disguise? See, I, I feel like if it was a knowing thing, then there would very consciously be a point where Santa cannot kill the Jews because mm. it's not a Jewish tradition. So they would almost be kind of like his kryptonite. Yeah. If it well, was going to be knowing. Yeah, they would just be immune, wouldn't they? Just be yeah. Fucking, no. if, if, if that was he wouldn't how notice gonna, them. No, if that was how you were going to go about it. But then... Mm. Again, we don't have the the sort of weight behind the story of him only killing bad people either. So yeah, exactly. none of this makes sense, you know. But you know, even with killing the the deli owner, like this is the first good guy really that yeah. we've seen killed. So this is where the switch flips. Yeah, but and it's also a, again, like, it's a really nice gag here as well, where he said, "No, says we're closed. Got the diner across the street, wherever else." And instead of kicking the door, he punches the glass underneath and switches the side over. Yeah, yeah. So it says open, and then he kicks the door in. Which again, yeah, which is, it's just a really silly touch, but it works. It does, absolutely. But I, I feel like, you know, this death, it just doesn't really have the effect that I feel like it, it should because, like, we know he's a nice guy. But we've only the, seen him for, like, two minutes. Exactly. He gave him the presence at the start, and I feel like we're supposed to feel the weight of this a lot more. Especially then when, when have... once, once Santa's gone and, and Nicholas finds him. Yes. You know, yeah. Um, it's the, You get the impression that's supposed to be this whole fucking world-breaking thing where his mentor, his friend, what his surrogate father, whatever has been killed by a menorah to the throat. Yeah, and again... But you don't get that. It's almost like, you know, if, if he's the, the father figure at, at work and and Nicholas and Mac have had the bust up, this is the incident that then brings them back together because Santa's yeah. killed the, the guy at work that, that looks after them, you know, their fucking yeah. boss. But 
none of that rings true and, and as i say it's even weirder because he's the first just genuinely yeah. nice guy as far as we know yeah that, well, that santa's it. killed so yeah that doesn't make sense um and the coming on to bits that don't make sense. Also, we, we missed the cameo from Zeus as well. Uh, no, that's next because that's my next note. Um, Zeus, uh, I, I, I think, I think there's like law or something. The tiny Lister just has to be in every film that features another wrestler. I, I, think, I think so. Yes, yeah. it's, it's law, isn't it? And like, that's fine. I, I'm, I'm all right with that. I've got to be honest. Yeah, exactly. He's really <laughs> fucking good in this. Um, yeah. it's um, no reason so for him to be here whatsoever. Is, is he the, so oh, he's the guy in the gum shop, isn't he? He's, yeah, he's like a petrol station. Yeah, so so we so we get yeah so we, we yeah. get that, and then he's talking about the police scanner, and yeah. then Nicholas hears about um, the deli owner. So then he he runs back and finds him. Yeah, and he leaves him like a ridiculous amount of money and stuff. Right, and he, he gives him gives him five dollars, like a two dollar pack of gum. Yeah, 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 and he just pockets it. Yeah, um, Merry Christmas. So that's fine. So we get this thing, and then the next bit you get. So we don't get to have no, and it, again, I'm fine with it. We don't get to have this big dramatic scene whereby he finds him and he tries to help him or arrest it. Tries to pull it out. It doesn't work. I thought we were going to have the, you know, the, the typical gross-out um, comedy horror where the head comes off or something when he's pulling the manure out. We don't get that. His eyes open, and all of a sudden, the police come in. And there's no, who are you, what are you doing here? It's just, let's go downtown. Hang on well, a I fucking mean, minute. In fairness, he's literally run in, disturbed the entire crime scene, and touched everything. So, well, yeah, there is that. But you I mean, know, He's basically but, done this at this point in the eyes of the law anyway. So, yeah, but I mean, surely the, the question is right. Okay, well, who are you? Well, I'm Nicholas. I work here. I found him. None of that. It's just right. You're coming with me, sunshine. It's a bit like when you know when you're a fucking fourteen year old, you're outside the spa drinking cider, and somebody, you know, somebody comes along, grabs you by the ear, and says, "Fucking time to take you home." It's a bit like that. There's, there's very no. She's guilty straight away. Yeah, which, there's, there's which, no rationale. To be fair, again, he looks guilty as fuck. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he does, but again, you know, it's a hell of a stretch considering this is America, and he's white. Well, so, yeah, exactly. You know. And, and like, even if it is going to be some sort of hate crime, because you know, let's let's not let's not uh, mistake the fact that he's a a white Christmas worshipper and uh, and the daily owner is Jewish. So yes, okay, there's even that side of it. But surely this fucking kid, who's what 150 pounds soaking wet, he has not lifted this guy off the floor no. and stuck a fucking menorah through his throat and pinned no. him to the wall. It just defies the laws of physics. It does. So if yeah. nothing else. This scene is ridiculous, and, and then as, and then they sh- and then following that they shove him and the four Hasidic Jews in the back of a squad car. Yeah, I, where there's I, physically not enough room for them. No, and I forget what term they use, but they do throw a derogatory term uh, at at the Jews as well. I can't think what it is, yeah. but they throw they do throw a derogatory term at them. Um, then we get to the police station though, and for oh. as much as for as much as I didn't like that scene, and I didn't like that it it wasn't working or anything like that. Yep. I absolutely fucking love the fact that he's his name is never spoken out loud and it's never mentioned. But did you read the sign on the sergeant's desk? Did you read his nameplate? Yes. Dick Zucker. Sergeant Dick Zucker. Yeah, Sergeant Dick Zucker. And then you also the captain whose name was Captain Cock. Yep. I, and and the, 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 in the, in the, 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 the officers were very careful to, to call him Cork. Yeah. As in C-A-L-U-K. C-A-L-U-K. But so anytime anybody else yeah. refs him, he's Captain Cock. And I thought it was fucking brilliant. But again, it comes back to that sort of South Park sort of humour, which we, there was a lot of at this, at this point. I mean, South Park was at its fucking prime at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the Family Guy was around, but it'd been cancelled twice at this point by now. So it wasn't, no, it wasn't. The humour is still there, but it wasn't, it wasn't still, it wasn't sort of the zeitgeist that, that, that South Park was. But yeah, I mean, and they, they doubled down on this later on as well. There's a joke about the captain's name, which we'll come on to when we get to it. Um, but yeah, I did spot that. And I wrote it down. I thought, I bet, I bet you're going to mention that as well. I, that's because it's the fact that no attention is drawn to it. It's yeah. just there. I, hilarious. That's exactly the way you play that joke. Because yeah. 
look, he's got to have a name because it's got to be on his nameplate from a production uh, point yeah. of view, right? From production design standpoint. But it's never spoken out loud. So if it's yeah. going to be anything, it may as well be fucking funny. Yeah. So fair well, play to him for that. Yeah, and, and I mean, the only thing I did that, that dated this film a lot for me is, and again, it's, it comes back to that sort of South Park family guy humour, there are a lot of gay jokes in this film. I mean, there's a lot of horrendously bad taste jokes in this film, full yeah. stop. It's, but, it's I mean, a disgrace. It, it is. It's... And, and it does seem, to, for, for long periods, there do seem, does seem to be a lot of focus on, on gay jokes, which I thought was, I mean, from now, so we are 16 years removed and it, it wouldn't fly now. But even I, then, I did, probably didn't notice so much. I don't remember noticing. I mean, we may have discussed it at the time. I can't remember. But I, do, I don't remember it being quite so offensive. But you look at it and you think, hang on a minute. Yeah, there's a the, lot. Of... It's this, they've gone out of their way to do that. And there's a line later on where they're talking. Um, him and Mac are talking about kissing, and he says, "She says he's allowed to kiss," and he, and he says, "Oh, you kiss like a guy." Yeah. Again, because that's obviously a bad thing because that would be that would make him gay. And it, there's just two. There are lots of things that I would think somebody's gone out of their way to write that. Yeah. And and don't get me wrong, people will find it funny, and just because I don't doesn't mean that people won't. But it just it seems like it's a needless pot shot. Yeah, it does. There is there is a lot of very bad taste humor in this, and I don't. The early two thousands were especially bad for homophobia. I think. Um, yes. You know, I certainly remember living through that, um, and and having a number of uh, of friends who who were at that time not of what you would call traditional sexuality. Then let's just put it that <laughs> way. Um, and I remember it being a very very ugly time. Yeah. Um, Look, that was the time it was. Thankfully, we don't live in that society anymore. Uh, but that doesn't make this stuff acceptable. No, it's, 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 it's no more palatable. By just, I mean, and we we've talked about this a lot on, on this and other shows that yes, things are products of their time. But I mean, it doesn't make them any more palatable, and it doesn't make them any more acceptable. And I think that it's very difficult where you you look at stuff and you think, right, okay, this is what was being pumped out. Yes, okay, it's not mainstream. This isn't like no, these aren't fucking A-listers doing a blockbuster movie. But this is stuff that's still been put out into the universe. And oh, it's got Goldberg in it. Goldberg was just off the back of his WWE run. Yes, okay, that didn't end particularly well, but he had 18 months where he was a um, two-time world champion, kicked the living fuck out of everybody that moved, um, had his big WrestleMania moment in the most boring fucking match in history, and went back to American football where he tweaked his knee again because he's a fucking bitch. But that no, this was a vehicle, and this would have sold to those people straight away. Yes. And so to then to normalise this fact that I think probably in excess of 50% of all the jokes in this film were anti-gay jokes. And the ones that weren't anti-gay were anti-Semitic. So, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, you, you're right. You know, we, we do talk about this a lot about things being a, a product of the era, particularly over on SMPD. Um, it's important to discuss it under a new light. I think the problem is that when something is so in, well, in such horrendously bad taste as this and, so inherently hateful to begin yes. with and that's what this is this humor is coming from a place of hate and um, this isn't gentle ribbon okay no, this isn't even if it's not hate hate may be a strong word um, we, we don't know the, the writer director yeah it, it may be you know, it may be the case it was done to poke fun at people who make who who do this but that's not how it plays no it, no. it plays so... it, it plays as it doesn't play as banter which is what's usually excused as nowadays it plays as look being gay is bad okay I'm yeah. not condoning it. We're gonna we're gonna go every chance we get. We're gonna make a point and say being gay is bad, okay? And yeah. that's it. And it's just if even if that wasn't the intention, that's how it plays. Yeah, and it's it's the connotation of that being a negative thing, you know, as opposed to most of the time when we readdress this sort of stuff, we're looking at it from a cultural appropriation standpoint, hmm. 
And a lot of the time, especially when we're talking about it over on SMPD, a lot of that cultural pro appropriation is done in what at the time was seen as a, as a positive light for positive characters. You know, they were, they were very few, um, you know, I'm thinking about it, like one of the primary examples that pops straight in my head is something like Captain Planet, when you look yeah. at how badly the cultural appropriation was in that. But the intent was for that to be positive. The intent yes. is just that we weren't quite there yet as a society. So yeah. there was a lot of still horribly stereotypical stuff. Yeah. with each of those cultures that were represented you know um whereas this isn't that this is this isn't making any attempt yeah. to be progressive this yeah, everything isn't is negative it's yeah it's, it's all negative so yeah you, you're right it is it is quite distasteful from that from that point of view um thankfully you know i'm i'm a mature enough adult i'd like to think to be able to put that to one side it leaves a very bad taste in my mouth um and it is something that yeah we will absolutely rag on this film for but I'll meet it on its own level. You know, at the end of the day, this is a film about a fucking killer Santa Claus. Yeah. So, you know, not really looking for it to teach me any life lessons, if I'm honest. Um, so, yeah, not good. But Sergeant Dick Zucker makes up for a lot of that, if I'm perfectly honest, because it was hilarious. Um, now, th this is the point, though, where, like, like, Nicholas is in the police station. He's seen the crime scene, right? Yeah. He's seen the honking big menorah that's being shoved through the, the guy's neck. Um, but it's a big fucking jump for him to assume that it's the Santa that's yeah. done all this. Yes. Like, and, and also, if this is where we're going with this film now, when Nicholas is set up as our protagonist and Santa's the antagonist, first of all, what's Santa getting in the way of for Nicholas? Yeah. Right? Because it can't just be that Nicholas wants to stop Santa. There has to be yeah, something there needs to be stakes. here. There needs to be stakes, right? But also, even if there aren't, this should have happened like 20 minutes ago. This is only yeah. a 70 minute film and we're well, past the half it. hour point. I was going to say, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's 78 minutes, the film, and that includes your credits, um, which yeah. are about four or five minutes. Uh, because for a small film, it's got fucking big credits. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we should have been seeing this stuff, what, 10, 15 minutes in? Easily, yeah, easily. Like, again, front load all the exposition, start here, start yeah. here, simples. You know? So, I mean, that, that's this point. And then, but you get this into again. We said this is a short film. It's a seventy-eight minutes, which I mean, even, even by by our standards, is short. But you get this entirely pointless scene, same as the one at the start with James Caan and Fran Drescher and the, and the family getting massacred. You get this pointless scene where you got the two uniformed officers arguing over whether the the, the pattern of killing is in the shape of a Christmas tree, yeah. or whether it's an irregular polygon. No, I liked it. it. It's a great I liked scene. It. It's fun, but what's the point? Yeah, I mean. Again, for me, that's that's flavor, you know, in what this in what this film's supposed to be. I think that scene adds flavor, and I'm fine with it. But yeah, you can only have that if you've also got all the story stuff in as well. Because yeah. otherwise, when you've only got a seventy odd minute film, don't waste time with a scene like this yeah. when you're not telling me why Santa's after Nicholas. But I really like that scene, the discussion yeah. about it being an irregular polygon, and, it, and that's it. That, and I, again, again, that's that dialogue, and and yeah. that's that dialogue working. Yeah. That's like that scene works really well. None of that dialogue is wasted. No, to, the characters come me, through in it. The way I'd have done that scene to keep that scene in, I'd have done that. And that we, the the way it's done in the in in Santa Slay is that you have this scene. Nicholas had taken in to see Captain Cock, and then by the time he comes back out, everybody's dead, Dave. So that's fine. What I what I'd have done instead was had those two guys at the board having that discussion. 
while fucking heads are flying behind them and they don't notice. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because at least that way you've got you've got there's something going on in that scene that is driving the narrative as well as at the, not at the same time as having this scene. As it is, it's just an entirely throwaway two minutes in a film that doesn't have two minutes to throw away. And and my next problem anyway is that as I say, we don't understand why Santa's after Nicholas and stuff like that, right? You have Santa storming the station, salt on precinct thirteen style. These guys yes. are so entrenched in their argument they don't realise. Heads are flying yeah. everywhere in the background. Then he comes up, takes a look at it, and goes. No, it's a fucking Christmas tree, you idiots. I'm yeah. Santa Claus. Kills both of them. Yeah. And then has an initial confrontation with Nicholas where he can be like, no, look, see, I told you it's the Santa Claus. And he can repeat the exposition in front of Santa. So yeah. that Santa goes, oh, you're important. Yeah. Because we don't get any of that. What we get instead, and this is the bit that really, it lost me here, I'll be honest, and it doesn't ever get me back. Um they're fleeing the police station now, or not even fleeing. They're driving casually away from the police station as Nicholas is now trying to explain to Mac that there's a fucking evil Santa trying to kill everybody. Yeah. And then he starts pursuing them. Yeah. Now, he didn't meet Nicholas at the sandwich shop. He has no idea, really, that Nicholas even exists. Yeah. He's on a... We're led to believe he's on a killing spree because yes. he's had blue balls for a thousand years. Yeah. So he needs to bust a nut. Yeah. Why waste time chasing these two fucking chuckleheads? Like you can kill literally anyone in the town. Well, this is Why the thing. Are you I, this, I mean, this this annoyed me we, again. We get this whole thing, and again, there's a nice touch about you know, the the kid who clearly hates guns having to use a gun. Yeah. Fine with that. That all works. That's really good. You, know, you get the whole two minutes two thing. We're chasing after the car. And that's all fine. I don't have a problem with that. That's great. We do that. They shoot him. He falls off. They drive away. Yeah, great. They go home, you get the gag about trying to unlock the door and there's like 52,000 bolts and all the rest. That's all fine, that works really well. That's tied back to what we've had before. And I said earlier on, I really like that. They get in, they lock the doors behind them, go into the bunker, and then Santa turns up. And at this point, well, I've been looking for you specifically, Nicholas, because you wrote me a letter. Yeah. What? Where did that come from? This is what I'm saying. This is all the stuff we needed in Act 1. Yeah. And then all of this would have worked. Yeah. Like everything else that comes out would have worked. If we'd just had less random violence in Act One, mm. right? Give us all this, and then if you want him killing random innocent bystanders while he's on a rampage, absolutely fine. You yeah. could do that, right? But what you do is you have him kill random innocent bystanders around Nicholas. Have it all be Nicholas's fault, yeah. so that he's got to stop this because people are dying because of because him. Of him. Yeah. And now, because he's had an argument with Mac earlier on, and she stormed off and left him. Now she's at risk. Yes. And now he realizes what he's about to lose and he has to protect her and he has to get her back. There's a film. Well, right? is, and again, we were talking about Christmas tropes earlier, or tropes in Christmas films earlier. And there was one that I caught some over the weekend because herself was watching it um, and I wanted the TV, but I had to wait. And it was a film about a woman who um, she she was employed by by the post office in America to answer answer letters that were written to Santa. And she strikes up a pen relationship with a with a little girl who just wants her uncle to be happy because you know, he's um, he hasn't got a wife and he hasn't got a girlfriend and he you know he doesn't like his job and he all this sort of stuff. And there's this relationship that falls between this woman and the girl through their letter writing. Turns out because obviously it's a Christmas movie that the the uncle she's talking about happens to work in the same post office depot as this woman, and it's all very contrived and they fall in love all this sort of box. But it, there are so many ways you can do it to tie in different events, and they did it in. Um, to a better extent, in Crazy Stupid Love, where you, they were constantly talking about a character called Nana, and it was uh, Emma Stone's character because she couldn't say um, something, so she she couldn't say banana, so she called it she called it a Nana instead, and then that's, that became her nickname or something like that. It's been a while since I've seen it. 
there are ways of doing this where you say, right, okay, we don't, it doesn't have to be quite so contrived. It doesn't have to come out of the blue where you say, right, okay, well, all this stuff you should have known 45, 50 minutes ago. Now I'm going to dump on you in one go and you're expected to just go, oh, okay, now it makes sense. Yeah. They did, and this is, this is one of the big problems I had all the way through. They didn't do the work throughout no. this film to earn any of the they supposed payoffs. No, they just dropped it in where they felt like they needed it. It was almost like the film is constantly retconning itself mm. is what it feels like. It's like, right, he's yeah. here now, so how do we explain this way? Oh, well, it's because Nicholas wrote a letter when he was a kid. And he put why, his address didn't, on it. why don't you fucking show us that at the yeah. start? Like, this, because then everything works. Don't well, that's even throw if, even it if you in don't, now. Even if you don't give away the name, the fact he's in Hell Township for a reason. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, no, having... what, what is it that connects Nicholas's letter to the angel? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, again, the, the, and, and the, other, the other show I have, right? Okay, thinking on this, and this has just popped into my head. There's this whole comment from Santa about the grandfather being the only immortal to ever, or the only angel to ever give up his immortality for a mortal, for a human yep. woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, how does how does he know about that? Because that would have happened about I don't know, nine hundred and fifty years into his thousand year exile. Yeah, but I mean, he's Father Christmas, so he still yeah. comes out once but every I mean, fucking. Yeah, he comes out once a year. Yeah. What? No, why is that important? You know, again, they, they, we, and that's what, no, they, yeah. they, there's yeah, yeah. such potential with the bloodline and all the rest of it. There's scope there. They just go, oh yeah, but he just um, he wanted a shag, so he gave up his angelness. Yeah. Uh, again, there's backstory there that's needed, isn't there? That's yeah. the thing. There, there's, there's backstory there that's needed. Um, and, you know, for the type of film this is, I think you either have to gloss over all of that. Yeah. And then you accept that none of that is important. Right. Which is the kind of the well, no, it's not even the Jack Frost method because they give us all that in Jack Frost. Right. But yeah. you either gloss over all of that and assume it's not important. Yeah. Or you give us all of that and you make it important. And it's got to be one or the other. And if yeah. it's, you know, you give us all that, and if it's absolutely ridiculous and stupidly contrived, see Killer Sofa, for instance, that was very yeah. contrived, as we talked about at the time as well, with the, the whole thing with the demon and stuff there. But they gave it all to us, and it mostly worked. Like, yeah. it didn't quite work for us at the end, but it mostly worked. And then, actually, all of the extra stuff that we were able to pull out of the film was in there in that core narrative. Yeah. And we really enjoyed it. And it was, I still say, it's probably one of the best things we've watched on this show. It's one of the most so, successful so things. For a while. Yeah, it's one of the most successful sort of executions of a premise, I think, definitely. Yeah. Like, it's killer sofa, and it does exactly that, and there's a lot more besides. Whereas this never gets past the fact that it's a killer Santa Claus, yeah. because it doesn't do all of this extra stuff. But then actually, you know, ridiculous as it sounds, killer Santa Claus is kind of a crowded market. Yes. And this doesn't do enough to even stand out in that market. So it's... It's just nothing, is it? Like, it's either got to go hardcore, balls to the wall, this is the most ridiculous killer Santa Claus film you've ever seen where he's fucking stabbing people with candy canes left, right and centre and fucking yeah. hurling roast chestnuts at people. and Like, all of that, it's got to go absolutely mad for it, yeah. a la Krampus, or it's got to give us all of this story for us to actually care. Yeah. And I mean, like, Rear Exports, for instance. Yeah, I, I was going to say that was that's one of the things that sprang to mind. But, I mean, realistically, I said this is... Even for this type of film, it's short. It's probably short by about 10 minutes. Oh, easily. So I they think they can I give us think, that quite I comfortably. I think that material is there in the writer's head, though. Whether yeah. it made it onto the, onto the page and whether that page made it in front of the camera, I don't know. Yeah. But I get the feeling this story exists in the guy's head because yeah. he, under, he clearly understands the world. He's put the work in with the angels. I was, I was, yeah. So that, you know? that, that, no, it's at some point, so no, I said at some point he's thought about it. Yeah. But he hasn't just I mean, got oh it's killer Santa because it's killer Santa. Yeah. 
And, and if that's what he wants to go for, that's fine. But at least then he would know, he would know what it is and he would wear it hard on his sleeve. This one, it feels like there should be more nuance to it. Same as we said, with, you know, we've said with other things, same as we said with, um, with Killer Sofa. There's stuff there that they just clearly haven't been able to do. And I mean, this, I'd imagine, had, had about 20 times the budget of Killer Sofa. Well, I mean, it's produced by Brett Ratner, so it yes, wasn't shy did. of money. Well, yeah, all of, most of the budget probably went on fucking all to be honest. Probably. Um, there's not a great deal of information written about it in terms of the uh, the production. Um, there's certainly not uh, anything about budget or anything like that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's 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 had that sort of treatment whereby it, no, they've not skimped on what's on screen. They've not skimped on the effects. They've not skimped on the horror. Um, but what they have skimped on is giving the writer a platform to actually fucking write something. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fucking, I, I don't know. It's a weird, weird film, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he starts pursuing them. Anyway, yeah. um, we get that whole thing with the shotgun. And again, like you said, it's a whole thing there about the, you know, the kid that hates guns now has to find yeah. a shotgun, doesn't understand how it works. And she's yeah. trying to talk him through it. Great scene. Yeah. Really again, you know, it's, it's die hard. It's the cop who never fired his gun. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's that internal conflict. It works really well. This whole, and yes, the fact to make a joker and the fact he doesn't know how to put a fucking bullet in the gun and stuff like that. You know, that's all fine. And again, there's another one of these really pointless exchanges in, um, in this scene whereby the squad car comes up behind and the sirens comes on. And I've written it down because I can't remember exactly. Um, so she says, what is it with you and cock? What? He sucks. What? Cock? Yeah. And so it's, it's, again, it's that, it's that puerile juvenile fucking you know, playground um, sort, of, sort of banter, effectively. But it's, it's, it's pointless, other than it distracts us from the fact that you know, it's clearly not the fucking police captain. See, everybody else in the precinct was dead. So why would he, you know, why would he be left alive? So it sets up the fact that it's Santa pursuing them, but it's just like, okay, well, it's kind of throwaway. But then they kind of gloss past it and go into this bit of he's he doesn't know how to put the um, how to put the the round into the rifle. And she says, It's easy, you just put it in the hole. Yeah. And again you think about okay, there there's no, there's this subtext about their relationship, the, you know, the fact that you know, they don't have a normal relationship. There's all this sort of stuff you can read into it. And oh, and, and then but and then him having to use a gun, which he you know he clearly fucking doesn't like and all the rest of it. There, there's there's some good layers here. And I feel really bad railing on this film in some, in some aspects because same as when we talked about uh, Killer Sofa and some of, the, some of the portrayals of women and stuff like that um, and the, the comments they made there, there's something going on here. There's something that, that the writer is trying to say, I think, and yeah, it isn't I, being allowed to or is, doesn't have the resource to. I think I think there's, there's stuff that is in that script that gets through. And I think, again, credit to Emily DeRaven for, for delivering it as well. You know, there's all the stuff later on where they're trying to break into the school as well. And he's, he's basically a pansy ass about it and can't break the window. And then he's going, yeah. he's going to try and sort of pick up the bike rack, but it's locked and she just smashes the window straight away. Yeah. And then as she's trying to get through, he's yeah, very he's awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And she just grabs his hands and puts them on her, on her breasts. It just goes, look, am I going to have to make every first move in this relationship? Yeah. You know, and, and I think she's a great character and, mm. Yes, there's a lot that can come out of it. Again, if they were in this kind of sibling stage of the relationship, or if they were, if they were in this kind of just at the other end of that, where it's yeah. you know they, they're, either, and they're, they're, they're either they're either just friends and they're trying to find their way in, like you know the brotherly sisterly thing, or they are at the end of it and and it's make or break. But it, they're not, they're not either. So a lot of that falls flat despite their best efforts, and it's a shame because yeah. you're right. There's definitely something there with the two of them, as I said right back at the start. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, he pursues them in the police car for some reason, even though he's got a fucking sleigh. And yeah. a reindeer, but he decides to use a police car because why not? Okay, yeah, fine, whatever. Um, 
and then we get the showdown with with Goldberg and the grandpa, and and like this is probably the most speaking he does. Yeah. Goldberg, but in fairness, like he's pretty fucking good at doing what he needs to do. He's just being this big fucking ugly threatening lump. Yeah. It's pretty good. Like like you say, he does a lot of snarling. He barks out his dialogue. It's like yeah, it's fine. That's why yeah. he does what he's supposed and to do. And to be fair, I re- I did really like his delivery. Of, well, hey kid, Grandpa got run over by a reindeer. That's a brilliant line. That was fucking genius. That's, I love that. Yeah, really. And good I, actually, um, Tori's in a, a WhatsApp group with some of her work workmates, and they've got um, a bit of a, an advent competition going. Who can provide the worst um, music video, Christmas right. music video? And the one yesterday was Grandma Gabarotto by Reindeer. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, why the fuck did I not know that yesterday when I was watching this film? Was, yeah. Um, I, mean, well, I, I, I mean, I really like that. That um, I, I really like that delivery and that, that, that gag. I, there, there's so many of those type of gags and those yeah. puns. I thought were great. And again, you know, that that's its own type of film, and that's fine as well. It's like that side of it works. It's just that they mar it with all of this story stuff that they don't fully follow through. Yeah. And it's like, look, just jettison it and give us this. Just make it fucking ridiculous for, yeah, for 70 minutes. Yeah, make it minutes. funny. Yeah, just make it a ridiculous bloodbath for 70 minutes. Yeah. And fine. All right, just fine. But but they don't. Um so okay, so grandpa now reveals that he's the angel. Um yeah. Uh, takes one for the team, basically, yeah. and, and stays behind to allow the kids to escape. And then they hatch the single worst plan <laughs> in the history of plans yeah. that that I, I, I've I been thinking about ever since. And I, I've been trying to wrap my head around this. So maybe I've missed something. So just talk let's, let's give this it a go. with me, okay? Yeah. So Grandpa says, Santa wants to kill everybody. He won't stop, basically. You have to go into town and warn everyone. Except Santa is chasing Nicholas. Into town. Into town. Where all the people are. Where all the people are. So surely the plan should be, let's lead Santa away from the town. Yeah, let's lead him on a merry dance, like a foundry or something, where we can push him in. Yes. Or, you know, know, let's just give him the runaround for the next two and a half hours, which is... Yeah, because at this point, we're working on the the assumption that you've got, no until midnight in the North Pole. Or, you know, let's make a run for the nearest fucking border... Where the time zone's going to change, like all there's all of these things you can do here. Yeah, because it's never it's never said where they are. Is it? They're just in some no. fucking no. So they no. could be they could some be snowy on... part of America. They could be right on the border between Colorado and fucking exactly. somewhere hot. Exactly. Or it could be like, oh, uh, my dad, the gun nut, also happens to have a fucking I don't know water plane because why wouldn't he? Like. You know, so let's go and get that and we'll fly south for a couple of hours. And yeah, you know, and then then you can have a whole scene where he's fucking chasing a fucking plane in his sleigh. Like there's all sorts of plans. But leading the mass murderer into town is not a good idea. And I cannot understand why we're doing it. No, that makes no sense. And the whole thing that, you know, yes, OK, part of his escape plan, there were two snowmobiles in his garage. Yeah, why not? Fine. OK, I'll go with that. I can take that. But again, immediately with with no no with no sort of inkling of the fact that he can he can fucking drive or do anything else. He can operate a snowmobile yeah. and he can you know, he can maneuver at speed. He can outrun a fucking demonic sleigh, all this sort of shit. He knows how to take the jumps. He can he can balance when it should be tipping over all of this. And you think, well, OK, well, fine. Some special disbelief sort of thing, yeah, or whatever. We can do that, and then you get the really shitty dialogue when they're on it where we need to get undercover. You think they go into the woods, we need to get out of the woods. You think, and it's like, oh, fuck's sake, you know, better put a bit of effort into it, yeah. And and it's probably overdubbed because the kids probably can't go anywhere near the fucking uh, snowmobiles for insurance reasons, so they've probably got some stunt guys doing it. 
And you think, right, okay, well, fine. So we do the bit where he comes out on one fucking edge and they lean back into it and tip it back over onto its onto its two uh, two runners and get into town. And then they start no, they start going in no, in and out of the fucking gun range and they start going in and out of where all the people are caroling and all that sort of shit. I said, right, okay, fine. And they're shouting warnings like crazy people to people who don't want to fucking listen, just like his grandpa does. Mm-hmm. Why does anyone think that's a good idea? Yeah. Clearly, everyone's just going, this guy's fucking nuts. Just lock him up. Put him in a cell, let him sleep it off, makes and then no we'll sense, deal with it in the it? morning. It makes that, no sense. That makes no sense. And then I'm going to jump, I have to jump ahead to the end to do this bit, but I'll bear with me. So we get the bits with the caroling, and they're doing the carol of the bells, which is one of my favorite carols. Um, and they're doing it with actual bells, which is really fucking nice, and it was working really well. The pastor, who didn't die in the strip club somehow, mm-hmm. yeah, we, you know, we saw him escape, that's fine. He is conducting the choir slash bell ringers, right? So there are about 20, 30 people who know exactly where he is. Yeah. When he when at the end he's impaled on a flagpole. Mm. Oh yeah. The the automatic assumption of the police, oh he's in a Santa suit, he must have, he must be the killer. They yeah. were all wearing fucking Santa oh, suits ringing the bells, all 30 of the bastards. And yeah, they could point. all give they could all witness they were all witnesses to the fact he was there when the big fucking flying sleigh came in. I missed that entirely, but yeah, you're right. So, you're right. Fun, no, again, if you, you know, I know internal logic in these things doesn't necessarily matter, but fuck me, that's a fairly obvious blunder. And I, I know they, no, I know they kind of go, no, you get Nicholas and Emily, uh, Emily fucking, uh, Nicholas and Max saying at the end, we can't tell them the truth, just let them go with it. Okay, that's fine. They know, but yeah. 20 other cunts know that it wasn't him. Yeah, yeah. Makes no so, sense. So and there just seems to be this assumption that the only person dead at the scene in a Santa suit must have been the killer when there were 20 or 30 other cunts in Santa suits. Yeah, yeah. fucking bells. Yeah, stupid. That makes no and, fucking sense. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Continuity is difficult when you're shooting stuff. When you're writing and you've literally got a page and you're going, right, what's happening to this character? Where's this character end up? Okay, we impale him on a flagpole. Right, okay, well, why? Well, we need to kill him because he's an arse. Right, okay, but what, what's that going to mean for the story? Does it matter? Yeah. Yes, it fucking does. Yeah. Um, or, or look, just, just don't... Kill him on a flagpole, that's fine. Just don't draw just attention don't have the line. to it at yeah. the end. Yeah. Just have them fucking wait, no, walk past him. Yeah, it just, and that would be fine. Yeah, yeah. very odd. Um, Sorry, that was that was probably my biggest. Yeah, one. no, yeah, you're right. I I hadn't even clocked that, but yeah, you are. It's it's you, you're right. It, it's odd. Um, so we get the chase sequence with with the reindeer and stuff. It's yeah. all fine. It's all good. I I like the bit on the on the snowmobile. That's all good. Um, then they break into the school. We've talked about that already. Yeah. Although um, again, looking at logic of that, he takes his helmet off. And then looks for heavy objects to touch through the window. Use, your fucking, use the fucking helmet. I know. But look, the, the scene's nice. All right, I'll, yeah. I'll go with that. I'll do, the scene's nice. I'd say it's a good moment. Even, even if she, well. I mean, to be honest, that's probably, I'd imagine that's what she did anyway. Yeah, it's, look, it's, a, it's a nice scene for her. I yeah. like it. Yeah. Um, and, and he gets a second, so, yeah. Yeah, we get we get inside and Chekhov's nutcracker um, yeah. rears its head again. We, we yeah. use... But just in case you haven't quite worked out that it is Chekhov's nutcracker, we're going to put a fucking tag on it. We are going to put a tag on it, uh, you know, use the force, Nicholas. Um, right, right. Now, here's my big fucking thing about mm. continuity. As somebody who deals with this kind of shit on a daily basis, how the fuck is a coal-fired boiler going full blast in an empty school at Christmas? Well, there's that. There's also, right, they broke the window, the alarms are going off. Then yep. the alarms stop, magically. Yep. Where's so the got... fucking ghost caretaker in this school? That's what I want to know. Well, he's, because... he's, he's winding up Scooby-Doo on the other campus. Yeah, because clearly somebody's in this building. They've yeah, got so... a coal-fired fucking boiler going. 
Well, yeah, you get that. And then there's a couple of other sort of slips in this as well. Um, so they, they, they go into the, he chases them into the library. They, they all, all three of them run through the metal detector and it doesn't fucking go off. Although yeah. clearly they're all wearing stuff with zips. Santa's got this big fucking belt buckle. Yeah. Doesn't go off at any point. So what's the point in having that there? Then they run into the fucking conveniently placed ice rink because all schools have one of those. Of course they do. Yeah. Forget yeah. swimming pools, fucking football pitches, and ice rink. Okay, fine, I'll deal with it because it sets the Zamboni and the curling and all that shit. Fine. They go onto it and immediately they can't walk and they slip and they slide all over the place and they end up on their asses. And then they have a moment. What they, have a, they have a moment where he almost, almost, almost sacks up and then comes in with a Zamboni. Fine. They can fucking run on ice after that. Yeah, I mean, they, look, there's so much here that we need to unpack in this scene. So let, let's just start with, yeah, the coal-fired boiler, right? Yeah. Then... No, that's one I didn't spot, actually, I've got to be honest. I've got to draw attention to this, because for all we've said about Goldberg being really good, and for actually for his dialogue not being too horrendous all the way through, Who's Your Daddy, Father Christmas, is diabolically bad. And again, it's, it's that reaching atrocious. for a gag that yeah. just doesn't work. So well, that's it. And I've actually written here. Um, you probably won't be able to see it, but I've written here so many puns. Yeah, like there are that's, all that's what this film was descended into. And I mean, we said a bunch earlier on. You had this very wordy, very loquacious, very awkward style of dialogue at the beginning. And don't get me wrong, I do a lot of that myself. It, sometimes you have characters who need to speak in that way. But then the entire focus and the entire tone of the film shifted to become a fucking carry-on movie. Yeah, yeah, it really did. And look, if it had been that from the start, yeah, again, I'm fine. fine with that. However, well, I'm if still... it's one or the other, I'm fine with yeah. it. But I mean, as a joke, yes, that's shit. That's I'm just... still not letting you have Who's Your Daddy, Father Christmas, because it's just too much of a reach. Unless, again, unless you build you build something in the characters, and again, you've got the fucking letters to Santa, which you've not used, yeah. so you ignore. Have some fucking daddy issues in there somewhere. The fact he hasn't got a father. The fact I'm that still... her, father, her father's a gunner. At least then, it's, it's, still, it's always going to be a shit joke. It will never, ever, 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 ever be a good joke. But at least if he's playing on the fact that one of them has major fucking father issues, at least then there's context to it. Just leave it at, at who's your daddy if you're going to have to do it. But who's your daddy, Father Christmas? But I mean, it's not. It's one, of those, it's one of those things. Again, why would anybody ever fucking say that? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't work. It, it I mean, does even, not even, work. even without the Father Christmas punchline, it just doesn't fucking work. No, it doesn't. So that that can get to fuck. And where did he get the fucking radioactive glow stick from as well? Well, all of a sudden he has powers now, doesn't he? Because again, they have to retcon because there has to be a thing about how once Christmas is over, he'll lose all his power. Yeah. Which up until this point, he hasn't had any. No, he's, he's just been, been really fucking violent. violent. Right. So they have to give him some magic fucking glow sticks he can use and stuff. Um, but then again, it's, it's so unbalanced because you've got the whole thing of who's your daddy, father Christmas. And I'm groaning and going, all right, it's, it's jumped the shark now. But then there's the bit in the library where he throws the fucking book at Nicholas and twats him in the nose, and it's hilarious. Like, it's so funny. Um, And then, to top it all off, probably my favourite line of the entire film, which I had to pause because I did a spit take, where he is on the Zamboni and then (laughs) tries to blind him with the... with the What's he got? No, it's not the Star David. What's he got? It's Torch. It's the torch, that's it, because it's yeah, the star David earlier in, in the shop. Yeah, yeah. The, the he's, yeah. he's got the torch, and he's shining his face, and he says, I'm Santa Claus, not fucking Dracula. <laughs> it's just, and his delivery is spot on. It's yeah. hilarious. Absolutely brilliant line. Yeah. That's funny, and that hasn't been reached for. That is funny. Um, but in the middle of all of that, yeah, we get this point where, as you say, chase them up the ice rink, they slip and slide, they fall down, 
And then despite the fact they're being pursued by like Spawn of Satan, serial killer Santa, who's hot on their heels, they manage to find two minutes to have a heart to heart about their relationship. Yes. That's not right. No. Like, this isn't the place for that. This, the, I mean, and that's the thing again. No, I mean, horror. No, forgive me. No, forgive me if I'm wrong, but horror movies are a thing. Yes. Where you get pursued by undead, demonic, whatever. Right. Mm. They're a thing, and most teenagers kind of get drawn to them because they've normally got boobs and bush in them. Mm-hmm. So they kind of no, this sort of thing they know. So you have that conversation when you think he's dead. And you have yes. in that moment after he's dead, and then he comes back from behind the fucking curtain and drags one of you back, whatever yeah. it's going to be. That's when you have that conversation. Or, or you have it when you first get into the school before he shows up, and you're yeah. just you're waiting it out, basically. But yeah. you don't have it when he's hot on your fucking heels. Yes. But anyway, they do. Completely misplaced. Uh, yeah. He shows up on his Zambo, uh, Zamboni, and look, the the curler then, like when, when the angel <laughs> shows back up, yeah. it's brilliant. That, yeah. That's brilliant. That's a lovely touch. And again, it shows that actually there is skill in the writing here and yeah. this has been thought about. And that's what makes all of this seem so strange because things like that, that works so fucking well. Yeah. Like so well. It's been seeded much earlier and they haven't made a massive thing out of it. But you know, yeah. as soon as that fucking curling stone shows up, you know who that is. Yeah. Right. That's so it. That and just in case you really didn't well. know, when they cut to him, He's fucking glowing and has a halo, just yeah. in case he hadn't worked it out. Fine. I'm, okay. I'm fine with that. What I'm not fine with is then the next five minutes where Mac and Nicholas spend all of their time telling each other that he's the angel from the from the story. Yeah. Well, fucking duh. I, again, all of this should have been front-loaded, and then this would all be fine. Now, once again, talking about the Whedon-esque dialogue, Emily Draven, one of the best people positioned to deliver this, right? She's of that ilk. She's a star of yeah. that time as well. So, you know, she, you, you rightly called out Roswell earlier on as well. Um, there is one point in this film where they absolutely nail it. And again, I just take my hat off and applaud him because it's right here. After he tells him about the time zone and she delivers, he's scary, yet educational. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that glib throwaway it. line. And it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just that character going, it's back to that, beginning, that first line where she's a like, what a delightful old lady. Yeah. It's that just, I know exactly what this is, and I'm yeah. going to play it the way it's fucking intended. And she absolutely does. You know, I mentioned how when these when these lines are written and they're written in that style, I can hear the character's name, and that is very much a Cordelia Chase yeah. like. Absolutely. it. Like, yes. I can hear Charisma Carpenter delivering it in my head, even yes. though it came out of her mouth. Like, yeah. that is the exact tonality she gave to I had, I had the same, um, exact same thought. It's, it's, it's just... There's, as I said, there's some dialogue you can hear in particular voices, no matter who's delivering it and who's, yeah. who's written it. It's fair, no, it is that character. Um, they did it as well in uh, the first series of the 100, yeah. um, and with the um, Octavia character who started off as being kind of a brat and kind of, you know, by the time they got to the, by the time she, they built her character, again, there was that level of sort of just derisive snark. Yeah. And exactly. again, you, you could just hear, you know, had she been 10 years younger, that that could well have been Chris Carpenter. Yeah. And, and so, absolutely nailed that and i loved them for it like it yeah. worked so well so yeah. again he can do this like yeah it, it's it's so annoying that it's not consistent because yes. i think each of these kind of each of these little bits on their own there there's genuine quality here in in, in yeah. all of the filmmaking like in, in the performances in the writing yeah. in the direction in the, you know even it looks fine yeah it, it's all there are moments in all of it, but as a whole, because it's so disjointed, yes, it just it it's it just doesn't hang together. Um, 
so yeah, we got that, then we get another fucking curling match. Um, yeah. So. And again, they play on that quite nicely, where you know yeah, he, he but, launches but again, a stone, he lands on the end, and then go, and then Sandra goes, "Yeah, fuck that," and throws him into the hole instead. That's that's quite in keeping. It's it's that irreverent sort of anarchic. I, I'm going to do what I want anyway because you, you screwed me once. I'm not going to let you do it again. That all worked really well. I thought, I did, thought that, that did again, quite well. I feel like he he basically just cheated there, and so you go like, well, if that's possible, why didn't he do that a thousand years ago? But I think, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give them far too much credit here. I think that's character development. Okay. Because he lost okay. last time, he doesn't want to lose again. He doesn't want to spend because at this point the stakes are higher. At this point the stakes are if I win, it's a, you do you you be the proper Santa for eternity. But right, okay, I'll go with that character development. I'll go with that. But again, but don't get me wrong, I'm reaching for that. Yeah, but no, but again, there's 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 world problems here, aren't there? And there are logic problems because. Yeah. In order for any of this to make sense, then despite the fact he's a demon and stuff, the contract between them needs to be bound in some sort of honour at the very yes. least, right? Because otherwise, why is he bothered even honouring it for the last thousand years? He could have just at any point gone, ah, oh, fuck this. Well, this is uh, this is one thing I didn't understand because, I mean, having seen this, having then seen him fling um, the angel rather, uh, rather than use his curling stuff. Yeah, well, why didn't he do that in the first place? Yes, okay, maybe, you know, maybe he's, he's learned from the fact he lost last time. Maybe he's bound by some sort of magic that you know because it was a pact of an archangel and having you know, and having read that having read the um, the description of the film uh, on Amazon uh, on Prime yesterday before I watched it, there's a thing about you no know, he makes a he makes a sacred bet with an angel. Mm. Well, why is that one sacred and not this one? Exactly, exactly right. So, so yeah, I, I don't get that, but all right, that is what it is. Again, fucking whatever suspension of disbelief. I'm not going to let it bother me that much at this point in the fucking film. Uh, that this isn't the thing that does that. No, it's not. It's because because it's, it's what comes next. So first and foremost, we get told that Santa's bluffing and he's powerless now. Yes. Right. But he, as we just said, he didn't really have any fucking powers to begin with. They they yeah. have very recently appeared. So and, and the whole thing of the matter. time, the whole thing of the time. Yes, okay, it's set up with the, you know the um, the international clock and shit like that. But ne- it's never based in anything. So I mean, we had the whole thing with the book earlier on. Surely, if it's going to be anywhere, it's going to be in there. But yeah, we've yeah. never mentioned it. We've never seen it because it's all, you know, it's not written in fucking Norse. It's written in, in consonants. It's yeah. like somebody went and countdown and forgot there was a vowel box. Yeah, I, but we should point out actually, we haven't we haven't mentioned it yet. We should point out how well the uh, the international time zone clock is utilised. And oh yeah, don't well. get me, very it's, nice it's, touch. It's everywhere. They use it yeah. constantly. Yeah, it's a very nice touch there because when he gets it at the start, this this fucking weird yeah. present. That yeah, he like, what the fuck is this, dude? Yeah, I mean, so, I I once had for for one Christmas. Um, I've not been with Tori very long, and we went. We spent Christmas Day with her parents, and then her aunt and uncle used to live down the road, so we went down there for drinks in the evening. And I was given randomly a pedometer. I was trying to tell you something, dude. Oh, I mean, fuck! I was like eight stone heavier than I am now. Um, but it was like, yeah, great, thanks. The fuck do I do with this? I mean, in fairness, that's more interesting than pants and socks and a Lynx gift set in it, which is what the rest of us normally but get. But at least I could have given the, uh, the thing. I could have re-gifted things, yes, I gifted my cousin who was like 15 at the time. But yeah, so it, it was one of those, uh, oh, yeah, great, thanks very much. And it, it, But he, yeah, his response to that was like, yeah, great, it's a fucking international clock for here in hell because I don't go anywhere else. Yeah. But yeah, so it's utilised very well, and I yes, we should have called that out earlier. They they utilise that very well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's the whole thing about him being powerless. But they've got a great lens to explain the fact that he's powerless, so they can take him down now. Mm. Um, except they aren't actually going to kill Santa. 
all they're yeah. going to do is shoot the sleigh down with the gun nuts, which nice, well, nice touch. I mean, we, we, we kind of jumped ahead a bit as well. I had another problem, right? So we have Chekhov's Nutcracker. They shoot him with yeah. it and he knocks him over and fine. So then they use that. Then they escape, right? So they, they, they run outside and they escape. I can't remember what they, whether it's a car or however they get away, but they escape. And at this point, um, that's it. You know, we've, we've saved, the angel has been saved from hell. And then he, they go to leave and he can't leave. Yeah, there's some sort of why. There's yeah. some sort of irretractable force field mm. that's preventing him from leaving. But if there's some sort of magical contract around the curling, Santa didn't throw his stone. So no. the angel didn't lose. No. So it's not as if he's being no, he's being that's held there. It doesn't it doesn't no, Santa it doesn't work. None of it holds together. No. Nothing holds together. No, that's my so problem. Yeah, that's so then yeah. So we get that. But they shoot him with a nutcracker and then they run away and they go to the the gun nuts and all the rest of it. Okay, fine. But at this point, surely if you just shot him in the chest with a, you know, a, nut, a nut, with a nut, a chestnut's about to explode because it hasn't been pierced or whatever else. And again, they seeded that earlier on. Yeah. Then why do you need fucking gun nuts? You don't, other than for the gag with her dad pulling out the bazooka, which was yeah very funny, very funny because yeah. as a character they they've seeded him perfectly well all the way through. We've not met him, yeah. but they've seeded him. You know exactly what to expect. Yeah. And so for for the camera to pan around and see him holding a fucking bazooka, very very funny. Um, yeah. Not sure. And, and again, they, again they take the agency away from Nicholas because you get this whole thing where he's you know, he's the only one with a rifle with a scope. Everybody else is used is just yeah. bare barrel in it. So he's there and he's lining up on the uh, on the hell deer. Uh, they're going to shoot it down and then it explodes in front of him because no one's here. So he hasn't had to no he hasn't had to confront that fear or that hatred or that dislike of guns. He hasn't had to confront that because actually somebody else with a bigger gun did it for him because it's america yeah and actually again you know here i'm not sure we need the chain smoking indian um sorry Native okay, American. It's it's yeah Park. it is oh it very much is but again it this is the only point i think where it nails that uh sort of irrelevant south park tone as well yes that, we are very that... clearly sticking our flag in the sand as being against gun ownership Yes, and it very it's, clearly it's, is at this point. Yeah, oh, I bought the bazooka from Camel Tokens. Yeah. Like it's it's very much like these are all the things that are bad in America, yeah. and here they are, and we're going to give them to a Native American to deliver yes. to you. Like, uh, and that is all laser targeted, and it's the yes. only time I can honestly say the film really nails that tone. Yeah. Um, not sure we need it by this point. It's too little, no. too late. And if it had been more consistent with that all the way through, it would be a totally different film and we'd be having a totally different conversation. Well, this is the thing, because, I mean, you've got to think about this as a town, right? They're on their shooting range, which is next to a fucking high school. Yep. Now, we all know how, how well American high schools deal with guns in the first place. Yep. So you put a gun range next to it. Okay, that's bad enough. But then somebody is randomly walking around with a bazooka. Now, I think even in America, that's not legal. No. I don't think rocket launchers are covered by the Second Amendment. No, I probably. may be wrong. If I am wrong, Americans, please let me know because I'm fascinated by how hung up you are on guns, some of you. But I don't think rocket yeah, launchers. Let's, let's not generalize our. No, 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 no. And, and, and yeah. I think to, to be fair, there's probably a pretty even split of pro and anti gun um, lobbies in America. But the ones who are pro guns are really fucking pro gun. And. I don't think that that covers rocket launchers and bazookas and things like that. Might be wrong. Please let me know if I am. But you've got this guy walking through town, just happens to step up with a bazooka that he bought on fucking air miles for want of a better now for want of a better uh, comparison. What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. I, but I, I think 
They actually, oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's clearly... Yeah, that's showing clearly the ridiculousness of that situation. Like, he's think, bought it because he smoked so many fucking camel cigarettes. He's had so many camel coins yeah. that he could buy a fucking bazooka. For his mate. Yeah. yeah. And that's all fine. That, yeah, that, that's, they're very clearly making a point, and I get that. But again, from... It's this lazy third act where they've just gone, oh, well, fuck it, we'll do that, and he's there. We'll do that, and he's there. We'll do that, and he's there. And there's no follow-through for any of the story we've had before. Now, we introduced her dad um, yes. in dialogue, not not physically. We introduced him in dialogue quite early on. Well, not that early on, probably about 25, 30 minutes in. Yeah. So at this point, okay, the school thing didn't work. Where can we go now? How? Where can we go? That there? No, We know the shotgun hurt him. Where can I go and get a gun? My house. There's fucking loads of them there. Mm. You take him, you lead him there, and then they shoot him out of the sky with the bazooka. Then it, then it ties in. Then it works with your narrative as well. It's not yeah. just convenient that everybody's there to make this really dramatic point about guns are bad, smoking's bad. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like even if they'd have done that and led him to the house, I don't think that would have made this third act any better. The no, reason, I think, it, re- it, it, it might, it might have. It might have been more consistent. It would have been more um, consistent. They might have added about three minutes, which it probably needed. Yeah, but you know, the, the problem with the third act is simply that there isn't a first and second act. It's yeah. not it's not that they could have done anything better at this point. It's yeah. too late. And the we, thing is this the stakes aren't there because I mean, No, we don't understand any, what anybody wants. But any horror movie, and you, you look I mean, you look at any fucking horror movie, and if when you look at originals, you don't tend to get the backstory, they kind of tend to come later in franchises. But wait no. Even when you don't have particularly rounded characters, there's always a second and a third attack. You don't kill him once and he and he disappears. You have to kill the fucker three or four times before he's actually dead and you can finish the film. Here it's like, oh well, he's gone. We shot him with a bazooka. That'll well, do it. it. This is the thing. It's it's and it, and it's not even that we don't see him return because we know he's going to. Obviously, yeah. it's it's that there's no attempt to even investigate, to look for the body, to have any sort of tie up any of these loose ends. We don't tie up the relationship between Nicholas and Mac. We don't tie up them going back to the school, maybe, and see what's going on with the grandfather. We don't we don't tie anything up. It's just they shoot him down. It ends. And then we see fucking Santa at the airport. Yeah. And we don't we don't even see how he gets up and walks away. from the. We don't don't see any because that 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 coda you get with him at the airport. It's, oh, we're a bit shy. We've got a bit of extra film left to use. Let's just kind of round it off and we'll set yeah. it up for what could potentially be a sequel, except what we've got is shit and we're not necessarily going to use it. But it's it's kind of like they've got, oh, well, we want to leave it open because then actually, we, can have, we can have the bit at the end as well with the who's next just to play into that. But, but this is the thing. By putting the thing in, in the airport, they actually make it worse. Like if you end it on the cliffhanger, if they've shot him out of the sky... And then they don't like, find him. The, the whole group is there in the town. Okay, have have Nicholas put his arm around Mac. They can have a, a, a little bit of dialogue exchange. Crane up, fade to black. Fine. Credits. Okay, it's not really been about anything. But Santa's chased them. They've blown up Santa. They're surviving. He can put his arm around her, which suggests that there's some sort of completion to their relationship. Okay, they're going to move forward. He's met her dad now. Like he's been accepted because he was holding the gun, even though he didn't fire it. Right. Like, oh, fine. Okay. There's there's there is some sort. Yeah. Of a neat narrative end to what little story we have. We don't need to see Santa get up if that's the case, okay? You just have the credits play through, and then for those that have stayed until the end, because the MCU wasn't a thing at this point, but yeah. for those who have stayed until the end, you get who's next. Yeah. And it's it's Jason's hand coming out of the lake. Yes. All right. It's not we don't need it explained. We don't need like, it. And if we don't survive. if we don't know it's there, if we don't see it, it doesn't detract from no, the end of the film. It doesn't detract from the whereas actually having him at the airport when we're all going huh 
what the fuck? What? And more importantly, this film isn't about him. It's about Nicholas. So why are we ending with him? And the fact that we start and end with Santa suggests that actually it is about Santa, which takes me all the way back to my primary point, which is that surely he's the hero and this should be about him killing bad people. Because that's how this film starts and ends. And all the stuff in the middle is completely different. Yes. So it makes no sense. And it is a real shame because actually there are as I say, there are moments in it that are really enjoyable. Yeah. And, I, and I can't say I didn't enjoy it, if I'm being blunt. I, I've, I can't. I've got to be it honest. was much better than I thought it was going to be. I, 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 I was the same as you. I, I knew I'd seen it. Um, I didn't remember a great deal. But I remembered the very fucking end bit of the Hoot No Him reading. The next, this was Who's Next. I remember us groaning at it at the time. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I didn't really remember a great deal about it. I, I remember the the scene in the strip club because uh, just because of the the, the death he holds with the stripper pole, where he gives it to the guy and it kicks it into the, into the light and the electrocutes him, which I thought was fucking funny. It, it, it was a sort of gremlins level kill, yeah, which I thought was fucking hilarious. It's chaos incarnate. Uh, didn't remember the rest of the film at all. Didn't remember Emily, uh, Emily Raven was in it. Didn't remember James Caan was in it. Didn't remember they, they had that whole bit at the start. So it was all like right, okay, fine, I can I can live with that. But for all of that, there was some really good stuff. Like this, the the soundtrack and the the um, the, the soundscape was really good. Yeah, I mean a lot of the um, a lot of the music the, the music was like the, um, the 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 punk and the rock versions of um, of Christmas songs. I listened to most of those throughout December. Yeah, unashamedly, and I get bollocked every time I, uh, we get we get in the car as a family because they're on and they're on really fucking loud. Mm. Um, so that that no, there were some good things I thought were really good. I thought that was you know, really helpful, um, and I think that actually. There were some decent moments. Some of the puns, yes, okay, some of them were really bad taste. Um, some of the jokes were, were reasonable. Some of them were kind of on my level, which, you know, you can't beat a good dick or fart joke. Um, the the last gag I remember was um, a gag about being an altar boy. Yeah. Um, which, again, came kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but, you no, know, gay Catholic jokes are always funny. Just, you know, they, they offend so many people. Um, but, yeah, it was just like there, there were bits to it where I think, actually, this, you no. Know, it was 78 minutes. I didn't say to you, going, fuck me, this is really bad. Like, what no. am I doing? I've only, fuck, I've only watched 10 minutes. You see, I've only watched 10 minutes. You're having a fucking laugh. It wasn't that type of film. We watched and we've watched some things. I mean, I think when we did Battlefield Earth, as an example, I think I did that in about three or four sittings where I'd stop after about half an hour, go and get another beer, go and get something to eat, whatever, just not get up and go for a piss because I could and I couldn't, I didn't want to sit there through it. This didn't feel like that. I sat through this I, and it was. There were some nice, nice bits. Like we talked about certainly with um, Raven. There were some nice character beats which needed exploring, but I don't think this is as bad as I remember as I remembered it being. That said, we have watched some pretty fucking terrible stuff for this show. Yeah, and I don't think this really stacks up to many of them because it's so it's so hit and miss with its tone. It's so disjointed. Yes, and it's not about anything. No, I agree. Um, I think actually it had potential has potential yeah um and it doesn't outstay its welcome you're dead right like it was 70 odd minutes it zipped by had this been another 20 minutes long yeah and had it not done what i've wanted it to do in the 70 minutes then i think we would be having a very different conversation had it been 20 minutes longer and done those things i also think we'd be having a very different conversation but we've got what we've got and unfortunately you know despite the fact it's fun you know, the fights are good. The performances, for the most part, are good. They're horrible at the start, but for the most part, the rest of them are pretty good. The body count is high. You know, it's got it's got everything I want from this film other than a fucking story. 
Yeah. There's no fucking story. And, and I think I, that's the frustration because there, there's clearly an, been an attempt at writing one. Yes. But they've, you know, they've stripped and, it so far back for the production and they've concentrated yeah. more on the gore and the violence and the set pieces. Yes. That actually the bits where they've gone, oh, yeah, we can we can get away with this bit of this scene. This bit was really nice. This, this is a really touching scene between uh, Nicholas and, and Mac. Let's go with this. Let's build on this. Mm. Nah, Have fuck it. Let's, no, let's make another gay joke and move on. And it's a shame. You know, I like... I can't say I going into this, I thought I was going to hate it because I don't have fond memories of it at all. And yeah. for all its faults, I can't say I hate it, but I also can't say I like it very much either. Mm. If I'm honest, yeah. it it is just entirely pointless. It, yes. as, as films go, and there's only one or two films I've said this about on, on the show before. And actually, I think it's probably the most damning indictment we can give something is that it's actually just meh. It's not, yeah. I mean, I think for me, <laughs> it's, it's not. I, I was, I was explaining this yesterday. So I, I was talking to uh, a woman I work with, um, and she was asking what we were doing. And I so I sent her the, I sent her a link to the film. I said, give it a watch. Let me know what you think. She and she didn't watch it. She was like, why the fuck do you watch stuff like this? Where do we even find stuff like this? And so I was, you know, I was explaining that no, we so we used to do this fucking on the reg just because we had we had to wait like three hours for ten minutes of footage to render. So you now we kind of had to entertain ourselves. And this is one of the things that came out of it. And I think the, the biggest problem for me is that when I was trying to explain what it was about, beyond there's a killer Santa Claus, mm. I couldn't get any further than that. So when she asked me, well, why? Yeah. Why is he a killer Santa Claus? Why is he evil? Who's he Don't killing? Know. Yeah. Well, he's, he's killing indiscriminately. Well, yeah, but why? I don't know. And that's the biggest problem I've, I've had with this. And I haven't had this problem with, with anything we've watched for a while, actually, where mm. I can't explain what the fucking thing is about. And there are so many things they touched on. They touched on teenage relationships they touched on gun control they touched on um they, they, no, they touched on elements of the police state especially at the end where they're like no as, as i mentioned earlier they, they find the pastor in a, in a santa costume it must have been him yeah no there's 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 comments on that there, the i so i like to think they're intentional and i like to think they're lampooning but i'm not entirely sure but the gay jokes the anti-semitic jokes that you know potentially there's no there's a lot potentially there's a lot of thought got and a lot of themes gone into this Unfortunately, I think these, I think the people who made this are on the sort of the Game of Thrones level where themes are for great book reports and you don't have to worry about it as long as it looks cool. Yeah, it, it's odd, isn't it? Because I, I think, yeah, the, it, it is very much like Game of Thrones. There are those those points where you think, yeah, they do, they get this, this is good. Yeah. But and then they piss it away. Then they piss it away. So ultimately, it just leaves me thinking that it's just meh. Yeah, really. I mean, it's, it's something and nothing. And I think that's. It's better than I expected, but that really? doesn't really say a lot. No. Um, no. I mean, I suppose the ultimate thing then is, that, is it better than Mario? No, it is not better than Mario, and nor is it better than Jack Frost. So yeah. if if you want a Christmas horror movie, go and watch Jack Frost. So actually, you know, if we're honest, go and watch like, Rear Exports or Krampus. Yeah. I was going to say Gremlins. Uh, but, you know, Jack Frost is very good as well. But do not watch yeah. santa's sleigh out of all of those because no. no it's not better than mario it's if, definitely not if nothing else watching it encourages goldberg to think he's still f- fucking relevant and yeah, appear and in fucking wrestling 20 years later and no one wants that no nobody wants the Goldberg. um yeah I'm, I'm kind of the same we've we've watched better than this um throughout the show we've watched better than this certainly outside the show as well um i think stubbing my toe and standing on lego is better than this which, by the way, is what I'll be doing on December 25th, just yeah. if anybody cares. 
Um, I do have young kids. It's not going to be my Lego, unfortunately. But um, I'm having Lego for Christmas. I'm not even fucking ashamed of that fact. Oh, no. I would love to have Lego for Christmas, but I don't get any because the kids get it all. Fair They've got fucking Lego advent calendars this year as well. I didn't Fair even enough. get a chocolate one. Well, I mean, that's just as wrong. I mean, to be fair, you probably shouldn't have a chocolate advent calendar, should you? But, you know. There's a, 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 a three-quarters eaten pack of hobnobs on my desk. I'm not going to fucking dignify that with a response. All right, fair enough. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm the same. We, I, This isn't better than Mario. This isn't better than most of the things we've watched on this show. Um, it's enjoyable in places, but there's just so much wrong with it. I think it's very difficult to reconcile that with something like Killer Sofa or Rubber. Um, fuck, I'm wondering if it's on the sort of it's on the sort of part with Batman and Robin and Battlefield Earth. I, th- I mean, for it's it's it's, it's down, there. down there. Yeah. It's down there. It is down there. <laughs> so yeah, um, as always, um, we'd love to know what people think. Um, mainly because we'd love to know if people will actually sit through this piece of shit. Um, it's entertaining in bits, and I, I would recommend you try it because I'll recommend trying anything once, and then if you hate it, at least you've got a reason to like, hate it. Like it's seventy odd minutes long, like yeah. fine. Yeah. Like, Let's it, be fair. T- take yourself, take yourself off to to our, to our Marge's for uh, for Christmas dinner. She, she'll undercook the turkey. You'll spend that spend that long on the shitter anyway. Yeah, it's, like it's seventy minutes. It's fine. You can you can yeah. blitz through it once if you want. Um, yeah. Like I don't think anybody's going to rewatch it, but no. I mean, the fact that we've now watched it twice is kind of you know, that's enough. I'll never, I'll never ever watch it again. No, I mean we have on this show. Oh, I certainly have ended up buying stuff because it's the same price to buy as it is to rent, and it hasn't been available for free or included on Netflix or whatever. Um, and I, there are some things I've bought and I've gone, why the fuck did you buy that? Yeah. And certainly Tori's gone, why the fuck did you buy that? When the bank statement comes in, she sees all the shit I buy. Oh, the, all the money, money I spend on Amazon and iTunes and places like that. Um, but yeah, this is one, if I paid for this, I'd have been really fucking annoyed. Yeah, me too. Thankfully, it's on Amazon Prime. So go and watch yeah. it for free, listeners. Yeah, watch, uh, it, and then watch let it free. Know what you this yeah, let us know what you think. Um, get in touch. Um, you can pick us up on our usual channels on Facebook and YouTube with the Devil Podcast Network. On Twitter, you can get us at uh, DD Podcast Net. You can go to our website, ddpodcast.net, where you can also get our previous episodes and our other shows. Where are you podcasts from? Like, share, subscribe, this message, we'll be back to the best we can. Until next time. Have a safe and enjoyable Christmas, listeners. Stay away from Santa. He's a murderous bastard. And we'll see you in the new year. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs>